So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs. Barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs So barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs And barks from the bookshop, I've done it, I've pressed the button, we're in, we're live the button, okay, good Say things, say words, record words, play words Hello Hello Wow, um, yeah, um, I feel like it's been ages since I've seen you, actually. It does feel like ages. I think it's actually only been a week, but usually we see each other a lot more <laughs> regularly than that. So. What have you been doing? Have you got have you, have you got another life? Another life? What, out of our, you know, social circles? <laughs> no. No. If, what have you been I'm doing, not, then? Where if I'm not been? having fun with you, I'm working. <laughs> I, I imagine if you're not having fun with us a lot, you're... 
just in a corner of a room crying. Uh, well, that obviously that happens. Um, <laughs> I've been seeing my family. Uh, I've been, I have been working a lot, actually. I've had uh, Boo. lots of deadlines. And, oh, excuse me. See, I'm boring myself. <laughs> God. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. There you go. The first yeah, on, I on did, podcast uh, yawn. I don't. I did. I did a webinar for um, oh yeah the BVBA on multi dog households where I tried to fit in probably four hours of content in in fifty minutes. Brilliant. Uh, so if you want to hear me at hyperspeed, then <laughs> um, look up the BVBA website. Maybe we could put a link to it in case people might be interested in going to listen to me. Did it go well? Did you, feel, did you feel good? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the, the feedback was good. I mean, it's always hard to know with webinars, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but some people came and they said nice things and asked me questions. So that's always good, isn't that's it? That's cool. You're on right. high, high demand in the webinar world. Yeah, I know. Well, it's easy it's to do now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we're all quite, we're all experts at sitting in front of a computer and uh, Indeed. and blabbing. Do you want? A, do you what? need? Do you need a uh, espresso? I do actually. <laughs> I might just. I might just message Jay. I'll put an order in for a coffee. Oh God! On. What outfit is uh, he going to turn up? Here we go. I don't know. See, then you get to see him. He could, he did have clothes on last time I saw him. Oh, good. That's good. Uh, right here we go. Can I have a coffee, please? <laughs> Thank you. I wish there I had your go. system. I'd have to shout out. Actually, I'd have to shout. I don't think Corin's in. I'd have to shout very loud. You would. What so, have you been up to, anyway? Um, loads of work stuff. Um, I'll tell you something cool that did happen, um, rather than talk about my work, because, um, yeah, it's nice to get away from that sometimes. Um, mm. You're uh, busy, aren't you? I li- yeah, it's, cr- it's been crazy, crazy busy. Difficult, but but rewarding as well so I'm, I'm well, at least the weather's been okay-ish because you're in your outdoor venue aren't you it's been all right it's been all right um we did get a bit of uh horizontal rain in one of our classes last saturday but uh we got through it <laughs> i managed to keep everyone enthused i'm good that's like i think that's my talent keeping everyone enthusiastic when everyone <laughs> should not be enthusiastic i think that's my skill <laughs> that'll be on my gravestone i uh, think you certainly got me through a few saturday mornings at scallywags when i was probably too hung over to be at work quite frankly i think that was probably and... because i was still drunk from the night before. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anyone it's the past it's the past can't get done for the past yeah we um... were younger then we did silly things <laughs> then, yeah um i'll tell you something cool that did happen i so i was listening back to um the mark beckoff podcast um uh because my ego is huge and i like to listen oh, back mate, to mark them. And when um, when I put it on and uh, your voice came on, Peaches, who was eating her dinner, stopped eating her dinner, and I looked up like, "Friend, <gasps> where's my friend?" Looked my up friend. and I went, "Yeah, that was really oh, sweet." Oh, <laughs> that's really cute. So I'm marginally better than a bowl of food. You are, but it also oh. add add a wee bit of yogurt on it as well. So I think that's oh oh better than yogurt. Yeah, that's that's testimony. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. All day, every day. I'll tell you what else I've done as well. Um, I went and did um, a tracking, like a one-to-one tracking uh, session with our friend uh, Gav Muldoon. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. brilliant. With, Who with? with? With Peaches. Peach? Yeah. Cool. And uh, we did it in the woods, uh, uh, which I was worried about, but she was really, really good. It's blooming weird tracking, isn't it? 
I love it. Do you love it? I love it. it. I'm obsessed with it. Why do you find it weird? Because you're not not the one in control. Yeah, no, it was the (laughs) hand... I'll tell you what I found really weird about it, and I've been working on it this week. It's the handling of the long line. So I've I've spent the last nine weeks perfecting what I thought was a really good long line handling skill with peaches. And it is a skill with her. Uh, and and in tracking, turns out you got to forget, forget all that. Um, yeah, and, it's and... different to if you're walking. You can still do both, though, because you need to keep the tension in tracking, don't you? Because that's yeah. the way that you're connected. You're connected, yeah. So there, there's this, um, so Gav, who's, um, who is a protege, is that the right thing, of, of Pat Tags? Um mm. Yeah, he had this whole, um, it's, very, it's very non-podcasty thing where you got to hold your thumb, like have your hands flat, hold your thumbs on top of the line and you sort of yeah. like, you stop, your, you stop the line with just your thumb. Now immediately I'm thinking, yeah, right, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> Peach sees a squirrel, no thumb is stopping anything. Yeah. Um, but actually she did really, really well. Um, it was really, really good. Gav's an awesome uh, teacher, so... It's really, it's always weird when it's your mate, you know, when you're learning from yeah, your friend. I think, it's hard, isn't it? I think yeah. both sides of it are quite, um, you know, are quite difficult. And I love to learn by watching. So, um, yeah, I was, I was I, one of the rare occasions where I don't talk a lot, I think, and I'm just sort of, sort of <laughs> shut up and go along. But Karen, oh, that's great, though. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, and, it uh, well, Pat's amazing. I haven't been to see her for ages. Um, mm. But it's good to hear that Gav's doing it as well. I knew, I knew he'd been done some sessions with her. Um, but that's fab. Yeah, and she's a bit of a, a sort of legendary myth, isn't she? She is. A, she's amazing. Um, <laughs> anyone that is interested in sheep behaviour um, and uh, shepherding, so not like um, you know one man and his dog with with border collies. Come by. Pat, Pat, yeah, Pat does shepherding, so with German shepherds mainly. Uh... Um, and her her page is dog tags. If you want to look her up, she's fab. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've done a bit of that. Oh, I wanted to give a little shout out to our friend Hannah Sadgrove, who's been on the podcast before. Um, she has just got a master's in clinical animal behaviour. Oh, so I wanted wow. to give her a, shout, a little round of congratulations, Hannah. Well done. Well um, done. Because I know that Hannah listens. So yeah, I doubt congrats. she'll be coming over to Edinburgh for her graduation, will she? She'll <laughs> do that remotely. <laughs> Probably not. You need, need four weeks yeah. of quarantine either side of it. <laughs> exactly. When you have yeah. Stupid like that. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, she might want that. You never know. Well, true. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that's great news. And last night I caught up on a... Uh, so the, the guy that does the song at the end of our podcast every week, Grant Sharkey, he's been doing... Because, you know, he's a he's an, um, a real bona fide musician, so earns all of yeah. his money through doing gigs. It's been tough for him uh, during the during the lockdown. So he's done a cut. This it was his second one now um where he's doing these live sort of facebook live gigs i've missed and... both so far i'm 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 a useless fan to last be night was interesting because the trolls cometh out last night no so, way yeah i think something had happened during the week where so those of you that don't know grant brilliant good good friend of mine but amazing musician i think grow is probably my favorite song my most favorite song of all time i think i always ask myself this question but anyway <laughs> um and uh uh he's quite He's quite political, like a political comedian-y type, um, you know, um, commentator with a double bass, basically. Um, I think he's brilliant, but some people maybe on the other side of things don't appreciate his views. Um, And he's always always had trolls and people come after him. But Mm. this week particularly, I think one of his... um, 
one of his songs, which is called um, Pubes and Toenails, uh, which is the Brexit song, <laughs> has, yeah. has had a lot of um, a lot of attention on YouTube. And I think that's caused lots of people to to go looking for him and finding him. With, oh, I see. Yeah. So is it not it, it? Was he doing these gigs as a Facebook live then? So anyone can join yeah. in and start commenting. Exactly. Oh, nice. And boy, did they. It was um, it was an explosion of, um, you know, uh, all lives matter and uh, what did he do did he just carry on with his gig or did he answer oh uh, it's brilliant so he's got i can't remember her name i think it might be carrie sorry if i got that wrong but she's she's just off screen and she's uh, like really, right so between songs people are talking to grant so it's so it's a it's a it's a oh, okay interactive yeah, yeah. gig like his gig would be um but of course she's reading the some of the comments from some of the people and they're just oh some of them were horrible some of them some of them were just just bonkers um, but everyone that was watching that loves Grant was trying to, you know, fight the trolls yeah. back by... We, we we took the approach of fight back with love last night. There was one particular guy who was being quite bad and everyone was just saying... Did he need a hug? That, that's what everyone was going, you know. You know John, John needs a hug. And at one point, yeah. one of the best things was someone started... Um, have you ever seen the film um, Goodwill Hunting? Yes. You know, there's that quite emotional scene with Robin Williams and, and um, Matt Damon where he's like, it's not your fault. And he's kind of trying to oh, hug yeah, him and he's yeah. pushing him away. So at one point there was a lot of, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> like, the, which I thought was really, it's a good way, a better way of dealing with it than, uh, you know, there's lots of name calling from that Was Grant all right? I think so. I hope so. Um, here oh, he look, is. Coffee's, coffee's here. <laughs> Thanks. Look at those abs. Whoa. I know. <laughs> I'm a lucky woman. I think your head saved me from something a lot worse just then on his way out. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think he did moon you, but my head was in the way. So, um, why are we here? There you go. There's why a philosophical well, question. Um, how long have you got? <laughs> um, I have. Well, just... Go on, go on, you what, go. What episode are we on now? I think this will be episode number eight. 18 maybe wow yeah. how have we been talking for that long how are people still listening mm. Mm. <laughs> are they still listening hello? i don't know hello, <laughs> hello? hello? <laughs> <laughs> i think people do listen this is not good our, our figures are going up so that can only be well really you know uh, people just have to deal with a little bit of us and then they get someone important get and someone interesting <laughs> and then a little bit of us again so, and then a really good song at the end that's, there you go everyone's a winner review. everyone's a winner <laughs> Um, this week I have been uh, reading uh, what I think I'm going out on a limb here and I mean don't no disrespect to all the other books that I have read but um, uh, I think this might be the most important book I've read for me at this time in my life um, uh, which will become apparent as it goes on but this this book um, is the it's called The Last Walk by Jessica Pierce. And the tagline here is reflections on our pets at the end of their lives. I'm going to leave it there because I've got so much to say about this book. It is so good and so important, I reckon. Or it's important for me. I don't know if it would be important. I don't know how many... No, I think it it would be really important for me. I'm just... I'm not in a very good place with that kind of stuff at the moment. No. Um, and I might turn into a blubbering wreck. So. Well, I, I was going to say, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Kevin Smith of the old, um, yes. old Silent Bob, Kevin Smith. I listen to a lot of his, his podcasts and he is the most emotional man on the planet that Oh, dude. my God. Yeah, I saw him on, um, 
What did I last see him on? What's that guy called? Russell Howard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he cries at anything. He cries talking about comics, like like emotional scenes in a Batman comic. <laughs> He'll be blubbering he, away. He had a heart attack, didn't he? he and did. I think he then it opened a tap of, tap of emotion with him because he had a near-death experience. Oh, and... he cried before the heart attack. Oh, did he? Yeah, oh, okay. He's always been a, but But, he, yeah, he did. He changed his life around because he's quite a big... Big fellow, and then after the heart attack, his doctor um, recommended he turned vegan. I think he's vegan now, um, and he's yeah. lost all loads of weight. But anyway, the, the last two days, I've been like Kevin Smith in the house. <laughs> I've just been wandering around with my bottom lip shaking, and and it's hard to set the tone oh, for this babe. book. I think because you know we, I think we quite like to pride ourselves on our on our podcast being a bit of a a jolly jape and a <laughs> and a and a happy go lucky thing. So I'm going to try and strike that get that note right i'm not sure so sorry i apologize in advance if i blubber um obviously i have the uh, reputation of being as hard as a woodpecker's lips but um <laughs> but i might uh, just made that that's not a phrase <laughs> i might i might um i might let everyone down my hard man image might slip look me. hey look emotions <laughs> is nothing to be ashamed of exactly okay i'm only i'm just a, a blubbering wreck most of the time anyway so i just mm. and i've got a 14 year old decrepit collie who i just can't bear to say goodbye to so mm. yeah so um yeah so let's see how this goes but we so, yeah, done... wasn't the wasn't the book for me but but my book was brilliant we've done a double booker again haven't we, we have done a double booker sorry for everyone's um, bank balance <laughs> Yeah, I know we are costing um, ourselves and everyone else a fortune. So you did the last walk. Mm-hmm. Um, I did run, spot run, mm-hmm. the ethics of keeping pets, which is fascinating. Which I think is amazing. And and again, we could go Debbie Downer on it, but actually, it's just it's just really important things that we should all think about. And I I love the fact that Jessica describes herself as a bioethicist mm. um, because you know ethics is one of those things and, and I've got a, a part from the book that I'll read out in the the main body of the podcast about you know um, how we don't it's not black and white um, probably wrong thing to say at the moment with all these kind of <laughs> were you trolling <laughs> Grant last night trolls <laughs> yes um, <laughs> um, but yeah it, it's just such a an interesting thing to talk about and there is there is no kind of right and wrong but we all if we're all thinking about these things then it's it's for the the good of our the welfare of our pets really so so what i've done just to give everyone a bit of a heads up i have kind of like prepared my normal bits and bobs and stuff and and stuff and you know for for the segments and all of that sort of stuff which i'm sure you've probably done as well nat but mm-hmm. i don't know i mean um yeah I, I don't know what the right way to talk about some of these issues is so i don't know if you know we'll no, see because it's, we'll see they're how a it bit, evolves. They're different aren't they because yeah. um it's it, it it i think both of her books um uh certainly the ones we're covering in the podcast uh kind of open a lot of doors for discussion yeah rather than saying you know this is what this is how you train a dog not to jump up which some of our our books (laughs) have looked at and and been more kind of yeah practical applications these are kind of wider picture which i think you know we we've kind of uh, started the ball rolling with um, the discussions that we have with Mark, really. Yes. Because he was such a fascinating man. I know. Head's still buzzing from that. I was just about to say that jumping up doesn't make me cry, but I guess it depends where the dog jumps up. <laughs> God, if Jack's jumped up on me, I'd cry. <laughs> 
you'd cry with happiness if Jack's jumped oh, up. Oh yeah, that's you, what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> no, there you go. There you go. So <laughs> yes. So um, shall we? Uh, let's let's enter in. Let's let's, let's open the doors. Let's give it a go and let's see how give it, it goes. A go. Let's tentatively take our little big toes onto the other side of the. Uh, of the and threshold and see. Make what. sure our tissues are handy. Yes. Just in I case. I haven't got any, but I've got one of Corinne's t shirts. So <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. Why read it? Why read it? Do, 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 um, do. Well, I, I tell you what, I'm going to cheat on this because uh, this is personally for me, a really um, important subject because it's basically what I'm doing my PhD on. Of course, so it's the, yes. the ethics of, of pet keeping and, and mine's on kind of dog training from the 70s onwards, but there's a lot in it mm. about the welfare of pets. And I actually did my literature review for my um, uh, master's at Newcastle on uh, the welfare of, of pet dogs. So uh, I'm a bit biased. Can we, can so we, I, could we go and read that if we wanted to? Is it available? <laughs> yeah, you can. It's rubbish. Oh, rubbish. It? I, I, you should put a link to it. I'd like to read it. If nothing else, can I can I have the link? Yeah, you can read it. I'll let you read it. And then I'll um, post it out for everyone to read. No, I haven't read it for about <laughs> God. That was about five years ago. So God knows what how it reads oh, it's now. Not that bad. Um, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna read a little bit from the um, the sleeve of the book because it just sums everything up quite nicely. Cool. And then I'm not putting the the nat spin on it because uh, I just think it's very important um, and that's not enough of a reason to read something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, uh, is it ethical to keep pets at all? Are some species more suited to relationship than others? Are there species one should never attempt to own? And are there ways we can improve our pets' lives so we can be confident that we're giving them as much as they give us? Deeply empathetic, yet rigorous and unflinching in her thinking, Pierce has written a book that is sure to help any pet owner unsettling their assumptions, but also giving them the knowledge to build deeper, better relationships with the animals with whom they've chosen to share their lives. Sounds good. Sounds good. Does that sound all right? It does. I, I, I've got... Because I think both these books are, would it be fair to say, um, quite... There's a massive philosophical element yeah definitely to the last walk and i don't i don't often find myself in in the the world of philosophy i think i used to when i was when i was younger um because i was sort of songwriting and things and and a bit more but i think i've sort of trained my brain to go the other like the other Mm. way i think it's philosophy for how how in high regard is philosophy in the sciences probably i don't know well it's tricky, isn't it? Because if on on paper you could put them in two different camps completely, mm. um, but uh, the way, way I look at it, I'm kind of straddling a, a bit of both because I think ethics is very deeply ingrained within science, yeah, and ethics borders on philosophy as well. Of course, so yeah. um, there's kind of lots of web links really towards it especially when we're discussing issues like animal welfare whether that's to do with um animals that we live with or we consume or we Mm. you know utilize for testing purposes uh so yeah i think uh it's tricky to compartmentalize it but 
there's probably a lot more philosophy in in science and ethics than we we think really i guess um, my, most things you know start with a question of some description don't they yeah. you gotta got be you know you gotta be questioning these ask the big questions in order to get to the little answers you know of course like we've talked about before on the podcast you know you have to have this like critical mind so that you're mm. not just reading or listening to something and then taking it as as the the gospel truth you know indeed um, indeed so i think there's there's lots of, of theories within um the kind of framework of philosophy that fit with a lot of the questions we should be asking ourselves about what's what's ethical in terms of training and consumerism and all the sorts of things that we I can't wait with. to talk to jessica about all of this stuff i know i hope she's got three hours that she can <laughs> will be here till midnight <laughs> <laughs> i've had the, i have noticed the podcast getting slightly longer we're like the it uh, is getting a bit long we had to upgrade didn't we yeah we did we had to up- upgrade the amount of content thanks for that by the way um and also um i think we're like i don't know if you, have you ever heard of the joe rogan experience podcast i'm quite a fan yes. of that he's a bit he's a, he's got some controversial views that dude but i quite like the fact that he has a wide spread of of interviewees on it from all sorts of different backgrounds and political standpoints and all that but his is are normally three to four hours long and that's oh you know, wow that's i didn't realize a... they were that long so okay well... we're, we're encroaching upon uh, the uh, joe rogan experience of the dog world <laughs> <laughs> which is all right i think that's fine you know hey you want to have a 20 minute podcast about you know we'll be we'll be led by our listeners and exactly. the good thing with the podcast and i do this a lot is you just turn it off go and get on with your day and then play you? again when you're ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um why read the last walk by jessica pierce well um oh bit of background then so i mean when i first heard about so obviously um uh, jessica has co-authored a lot of the books with mark beckoff um and, and we did have a wee chat about jessica with mark um uh that's how I heard about her. And then a little bit of dig. It's like one of those things. I remember when I used to buy albums, you know, back in the day before the internet. Do you remember that? Um, yes, I do remember If that. you bought a CD, one of the things I used to love to do was go all back to the tiny notes in the CD jacket and have a look like, because they'd normally, they'd normally name check loads of bands that kind of inspired yeah, that would. album. And there'd be yep. loads of bands you'd never heard of. And then suddenly you went a digging and you went out yep. to all the record shops, all the libraries looking for anything about these bands. And I used to love that, love that little journey. Similar thing is happening here with the podcast because I, yeah. I don't think without, without well, Zazie Todd introducing us to Mark Beckoff, um, yeah. who I... Hey, Steve, Steve, what? What? We're, lag- what? we're lagomorphing. <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. we are. We're lagomorphing, aren't we? Oh, that'll come up later. There you go. Nice throwback. Yay! But so, that's what you were explaining, isn't it? You go down a, you go down one a rabbit, rabbit hole, hole and then you, you turn pop left, up another you turn one. Right. I'm, yeah. good at, I'm good at that, it turns out. Um, so, uh, yeah, it... it um, I I I this book up. I saw it in the in her. Bibli- you got a bargain bib- as well. Bibli- it's the first one I bought secondhand. Sorry, Jessica. Wow. Sorry, Jessica. The bang 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 balance was getting a bit hit. Um, but yeah, I've got a bargain. I've got a bargain for this one, and it's a hardback. I love a hardback book. Um, yeah, mine's hardback as well. It's uh, good. So yeah. Um, and as soon as I saw this, so the the background. God, I am digressing on it. But the background that I was going to say is, uh, most people know, but I lost my uh my dog Scooby in January um very quickly very uh shockingly um and i don't to be honest with you i don't think i've thought much about it i haven't processed it that much um just kind of like and then 
pretty soon after well, lockdown it, happened and the world just went yeah. mad and and then peaches came along and all of this. so i i really it was the weird time wasn't it because he he wasn't yeah. old by any stretch of no. the imagination and and we all just thought he was just gonna go in and have it get checked over and come back out again and then yeah. he didn't and then he didn't the idiot yeah um but yeah uh so when i saw this it pricked my eye um uh because i thought I, I was carrying, I think we all do, don't we? We all have the, so like, could I have done better? Did I, you know, uh, all of those sorts of things. Um, and this is a book about, um, you know, what, what it's like, like preparing for the end of life for your dog. And like I said, with Scooby, it was all very quick. I didn't have much time to prepare. Um, but um, but if I did, next time round, you know, I, I wanted to be more prepared or know more about, about treating pain, um, uh, the signs of pain, um, the the ethics of euthanasia, like all mm. of these topics that are covered in this book, in a fantastic way. It sounds really heavy, and it is. I won't lie, it is pretty heavy, but um, but it is brilliant. It is really really good. And um, there's there's a passage in here that I wanted to read as part of the why read it little section here. Um, and here we go. So in Jessica's own words here right no one told me that having an old dog would be hard and that his approaching death would strike so much fear into my heart i didn't know that planning for his death knowing how good a death might be best accomplished what might happen with his body how i might how i might find constructive ways to grieve uh, all of that would have helped me do it better without so many regrets and that's quite a hard sort of like you know paragraph to sort of like read out but it uh, like i think you know, a little bit of knowledge goes a long way in these sorts in these sorts of incidences. And there's things in here that I've read that I've read back. And again, it was a bit different for me because Scooby wasn't he wasn't old as such. He was older, and it was quite quick. But there were things that really like you know enlightened me to how he can move forward and do things a bit better. Maybe the next time round. I don't know. Hope that makes sense. Don't yeah, cry that now. makes sense. I'm <laughs> crying already, so I've got no hope, Steve. Good for the ratings. No hope whatsoever. <laughs> uh, we've got two first. We've had a yawn and a cry. We're doing all I right. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll try. Like, remember, no, come on, that Hard as a woodpecker's lips, remember? Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> so, together, why girl. read it? Because um, it's difficult, but it's important, I reckon. That's my why read it. Are you gonna? Are yeah. you, you going to read it now? <laughs> No, I can't. <laughs> I can't. But I, I, I physically wouldn't be able to because I wouldn't be able to see the pages <laughs> from all of the the, the blubbing. Uh, but all of those concepts, I because I have to teach this stuff. I have to teach of course, the yeah, ethics yeah. of and welfare of euthanasia and all sorts. Mm. And I just about get through that without blubbing in front of my students. That must um, be so hard. But. Um, uh i definitely have made like a a a death plan um for jack um okay and and hopefully i'll get to do that with 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 everybody uh but you never know Mm, you You know things happen don't they so but i think it that that's what i love about kind of the work that i do working with veterinary behaviorists and being a behaviorist you're that bit closer to the kind of the network of having chats with vets and um so yeah i think that's really important about pain management and yeah uh, end of life care because 
I think it's something that is really important and not spoken about a lot. And um, I know that even just a traumatic visit to the vets for annual vaccinations has stayed with me for a long time. So goodness knows how you even start to try and get over a traumatic kind of death experience. And I really feel for anyone that's had to say goodbye to a pet during lockdown because you can't be there with them oh, you know God, yeah. um yeah so yeah important things to think about but i also think that i i have to do a lot of self-preservation and um yeah. and deal with these things when i feel able and actually bury my head in the sand sometimes <laughs> just to otherwise i'll just be perpetual debbie downer i'm now i'm now um, really really conscious that potentially we're going to have a bit bit about your book and then it's my turn to make you cry <laughs> bit about your book my turn to make you cry <laughs> just strapping <laughs> i do apologize <laughs> it's okay i you know i've got some wine in the fridge for later so. good i i suggest to crack it out now That's what I <laughs> <laughs> all right so why read it because uh yeah again important stuff important questions bit of philosophy yeah. why not mm. no you pricked my eye so le- less of a of a pricking this week than a watering um <laughs> a syringing does that work i don't know i don't um, know but Precipitatory. yeah now this this is a this is a nice callback to past discussions on the podcast actually. And when I came across it, you know, sometimes you're reading a book and you're like, "Bang, that's it. That's the that's oh, that sounded good there. I like that. I've got a good microphone for clicking your fingers." <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so this this uh, section here is called the sixth freedom. So we have discussed before the um, the um, I can't remember what the whole thing's called. The the animal rights and animal welfare. Uh, five, five freedoms, freedoms. yes yeah. um and just to just to recap the five freedoms are freedom from hunger and thirst freedom from pain injury and disease freedom from discomfort freedom to express normal behavior and freedom from fear and distress and this obviously nat you'd know more about this than me but um these were developed in the 60s by um uh i just saw a really good um a really good talk by Suzanne Rogers, actually, on okay. uh, the work of the five freedoms and, and kind of other welfare frameworks. But basically, they now sit within the uh, legislation of the Animal Welfare Act, which is great. Brilliant. So, so yeah, I mean, all, all put together for the UK uh, by the UK Farm Welfare Council. Um, yeah. uh, revisited or revised, sorry, in 1993 to the current form that we have now. Is that the last time they were revised? Is it? Probably. seems a long time ago doesn't it eh? yeah I've, yeah i'll dig out i can dig out the notes from suzanne's talk and see if there's any useful links we can stick up as well for, if anyone that would be really good so uh, uh, it, there's a nice passage here it says of course and as the farm welfare council was careful to point out these are not meant to represent attainable goals but rather ideals a pig raised for bacon will never be f- uh, free of fear, distress, pain and discomfort and will never fully be able to express normal pigness. Still, we can work towards the greatest possible freedom for animals within the constraints of our own needs. It's the mm. depressing caveat at the end there for the yeah. five freedoms. But, um, and it also goes on to say how uh, th- this was mostly developed for um and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that but like farm animals and and livestock and, and things along those lines. But it's since becoming a framework for 
nearly a way of looking at all animals and making sure that they, their welfare needs are met. Is that right? Is that yeah? That's enough? a good summary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Jessica, in her book, The Last Walk, um, uh, she thinks about adding a sixth freedom, um, uh, and. So I'm just going to read this passage out, actually, because she says it better than I do. So she says, I also suggest that we had a sick freedom, freedom to die a good death. A good death is one that is free of unnecessary pain, suffering and fear. It is peaceful and it takes place in the presence of compassionate witnesses. It is above all a death that is allowed in full meaning. It is strange to say that we might desire for death of an animal to be meaningful. Can the ultimate act of obliteration have meaning? Yes, it can and does. Death is obviously meaningful to the one who dies. It's like the final cadence in the end piece of music. I love that line. It's brilliant. Uh, bringing the music to its necessary harmonic resolution. But perhaps it is especially so to those who survive. Death affirms the value of life. And if we are to value animals, we must value their deaths. I think that's a real... Well, for I like me, that. Yeah, yeah. I think that... Because you know, don't, we don't think... like what is, I think, what is a good death, number one? I mean, that's something that the book goes into a lot um but yeah it seems to make perfect sense to add that one in there to me um i love the bit about the music I, and it is right it, it affirms the value of life i mean i'm not religious in any way way shape or form but i i've always not been scared of um of dying god these lofty topics but um because i because of that i've always had a kind of a uh, a feeling of it's a necessary thing to to caveat the life you've lived if that makes any sense at all but um, yeah, i guess you can just then hope that it's not too prolonged painful or uh previous <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so you know it um yeah i think thinking back to the non-human animals i've lost in my life um yeah there are things I would change definitely probably the most traumatic was the the ducks oh, going God, yeah, ducks. um because I felt like I'd let them down you know um everybody else I've been able to be there for yeah um and that was a tough one with Scoops, obviously, because I was oh, yeah. I, we weren't there when he went, and that was um and quite a lot of the book is actually you know talking about how having you know being with them is important. Obviously, not everyone can take that, so you know there's no judgment if you if you feel you couldn't be mm. present and that because that's absolutely fine as well. But you know, quite often the the theme of the book is if you can, if you could, you know, be there with them in a in a comfortable place in a place where they're we're happy and yeah i think because i was i was trying to be um you know mr manly pants i had an inkling that when he went into the vets you know that you i think we always do don't we we're always a bit worried because he was being put under um that uh and he was a bit older so there's a risk involved in that yeah so i was kind of like yeah don't worry you know i mean just trying to be you know i wish i'd been a bit more by mate you know but you know you don't know do you at the end of, it's just one it, of i things. think do you know what i think you had one of the hardest uh experiences because it, it was an exploratory thing wasn't it it mm. was okay let's let's see what's going on and then we know what we're dealing with but it wouldn't have been fair to 
bring him back round to say goodbye. And that was the that was the that yeah. was the issue. I should probably say he had. Um, Sorry, am I sharing had, too much? No, about no, no, your story? no, 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 I'm happy to share. Um, he had uh, an underlying condition that we didn't know about, probably caused by so Scooby, the little rascal in his early days, would. Um, he would eat balls. Um, it was an issue that we had straight from the get-go with him. So he would like, it, he would be fine. You could play with a ball with him and he would be absolutely fine. Loved this ball. He's ball mad. And of course, like every um, a novice dog owner or um, I think I, I just started to become a dog trainer when we first Yeah, you had because I remember us working with him i remember you talking mm. about oh what shall i do i don't want him muzzled all the time and you yeah, know i a, remember talking through the options and it everything. was a real quandary because he, he would yeah if he got two balls that was the issue one ball fine happy he'd give it up if he got two his little brain was like oh my god i've got two. Oh my god you could see it in his <laughs> eyes it was like that it's like i don't know what to do i don't know what to do he almost got into a panic and um, I think what I did wrong at the beginning was I would always try and go and like if he got another ball, another dog's ball, I would rush over, you know, because I knew that he'd find him, obsessed. wouldn't he? He'd find him blooming everywhere. Well, that was like, the that was the biggest issue in the in the end. Um, so yeah, I think I might have made it a little bit worse. But he actually started to ingest them as a way of like, what well, I'd be guessing here, but like you know. Can definitely keep it if I eat it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense. So he had to. I, there were one, the first incidents, but he swallowed a ball and I saw it, and he had to have it removed, which was very uh, traumatic for us and him, I'm sure. Um, and then after that, that's when we, I would have been talking with Unit about what to do, and he was on a muzzle for a while, and we and we spent ages hours and hours months and months training him basically to bring us anything he found we started in the garden uh, moved out um uh, and we used a show me so if if you know, if he found something anything we started with inanimate objects we would pay him off with a ball and that worked really well so eventually he was he was off of his muzzle um but one day i noticed this is uh, this is another this is intertwined with us as well now we've gone we'd been to a animal uh, first aid course um, oh yeah one of the first ones i think that leah put on in cold and common that was the one yeah that one do you and... remember it was blooming boiling <laughs> and they talked about um bloat in there and i remember i got home so scooby had been out with one of his dog friends and i got home this, this was the day after that and i'm looking down at him and he's, he's sort of huffing away on the it was quite a warm, like you say it was a warm day um mm. the day after as well and he's huffing away and i'm looking at his belly and i'm watching his belly like blow up like in wow. front of my eyes like like yeah. dramatically and only but i mean i think i probably would have called the vets anyway but because we literally the day before talked about bloat and how quickly things yeah. can deteriorate i was like bang straight into the vets and anyway what what happened was i hadn't even seen this he'd found a ball somewhere in a bush he'd oiked it down he'd eaten it and um and it got stuck so the air was building up behind yeah. in his stomach and that's what was happening oh so, it's so dangerous yeah, it was terrifying. So he was in the vets for two days with that one. He, they had that re- ball removed. There were specific balls, those horrible, cheap, spongy ones you get with yeah, a chucker. Yeah, I know the ones you mean. Those ones. Yeah. Do me head in. Still do now. They're, so, they're actually really dangerous anyway because they're such a... Even if the dog doesn't want to swallow it, they can be a real choke risk because once they get slobbery, yeah. they get really slippy. And yeah. so they're more likely to fall into your dog's neck 
apple throat. Ooh, I hate that word. Um, <laughs> and then, um, and then because they're so slimy, you can't. You you got no hope of getting them out. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, don't use those balls, folks. If you're using them, no. have a think and and, and readdress. Um, but. But yeah, um, so yeah, that one removed. And I think this this is complete, you know, speculating here. But I think somewhere in the region of those two ops, um, something didn't get done right, or the wound had opened back up, and it it healed back to his stomach. So he had healed himself, but his stomach had reattached itself to the the outer lining of his um, mm. of the cavity, if you like, I guess. And yeah, just over time, it got worse and worse and worse. And of course, we we didn't know. We just didn't know. And well, so, yeah, you're not going to see that. So he was being you? sick one night, and which was unlike him, like sick loads. Um, uh, so when they they decided to put him on, though, when they opened him up to see what was going on, that was when they found that yeah, it was just it was a bit of a mess in there. So mm. it was inoperable were the words that they used. So yeah, we that that was the story there. But yeah, and so. I forgot what sad I was talking times, about. Man. <laughs> yes. No, sad times. Yeah. Um, Poor scoops. Yeah, bless him. So yeah, like you said, Nat, it wasn't. It wouldn't have been right to wake him up from that to you know to then go in and say goodbye. So yeah. So that was uh, you know, nay, that was that was tough. And I think that's kind of that kind of makes me feel a bit better, and hopefully will. I can't talk about it. <laughs> Sorry. You, don't, you don't need to talk about it. You don't need to talk about it. But yeah, so that, I mean, that sick freedom uh, really, you know, in terms of welfare, because we think, don't we? We think about, uh, we talk about it all the time on our podcast. We talk about, you know, giving our dogs the best, you know, days of their lives, the best food. Uh, recently with the Linda Case podcast, um, you know, all of the enrichment stuff we yeah. can do with our dogs, socialising, all of those things. I don't think, well, I definitely didn't think about the welfare of the, the death end. part. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is just as important as the life part. So, But no yeah, one wants to think it about is. it, do they? No one does, but we should. Uh, and, you know, I, I would definitely recommend this. If, if you're having, like, thoughts about those sorts of things or if, if time's drawing near and stuff, I think there's some, some great stuff in this book that, that is helpful. Uh, number one, it would be helpful. Um, in dealing with things like the grief and the inevitable grief that comes on, I can't stand people just like. I remember I had a I had a blooming boss at work once. This is a postman story, so watch out. Um, <laughs> my my first dog Rocco um, had died, and I went and I rung up my work the next day. I was absolutely inconsolable. I was like, my dog's died, I'm not coming in. And he was so nasty to me. He was like, it's a bloody dog's died. What's the matter with you? I'm man up and all this sort of stuff. And I just. Yeah, that that wasn't yeah, very nice. Yeah, don't I, need that right now, mate. Thanks. I think yeah. people don't. Some people don't. They no. just don't get it, do they? They don't. They don't understand. But they probably never had a pet, or if they did have a pet, they probably never had a conscience. I don't know. One of those two things. Um, but yeah, it's it's big. It's well, big. you know, you don't even have to justify how people feel about you know non-human animals. No. It, you can't quantify someone's grief or emotion. It doesn't matter. You know, no. if they're feeling it, they're feeling it. It needs to be recognised. But... Anyway, the, the week after that, my boss's uh, foot got run over by a really heavy trolley at work, and I laughed. So there you go. <laughs> Good old karma. Coming back around again. So, so what's um, what's pricked your eye then, Nat? Other than. Uh... Oh God! Um, I've completely lost track. I'm not going to be very good here, am I? I'm, <laughs> I'm 
I'm, I am a mess already. Um, Maybe I, I should go second every I time. I think you should go second because otherwise I'm going to be like, and then I read this <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, so the whole book is really, really interesting. Um, so I'm doing Run, Spot, Run, which is about the ethics of, of pet keeping. Um, but uh, I'm just going to read you a little bit, which gives you a flavour for the kind of uh, tone of the book and the questions that Jessica is kind of asking in it. So, <clears throat> even though dogs as a species are naturally captive, there is still an important sense in which individual dogs can be and want to be free. They want to be dogs. Yet typical dog ownership involves numerous interventions to circumscribe normal dog behaviours, such as mating, marking, barking and roaming. We build fences, attach collars and leashes, have dogs neutered and spayed. Dog training involves a careful and methodical process of constraining natural behaviours. The expression of normal behaviour is routinely violated and indeed violation is integral to pet keeping practices. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I, if you ever like you were talking about philosophy and the kind of this this goes in with what you're saying there I'd be interested to talk to Jessica about it like do you see the future of the human race assuming that we get through the climate catastrophe and all the other stuff that's <laughs> yeah. god this is a fun packed episode um uh yeah. <laughs> do you would you would you imagine uh, and this is just a question it's not my my thoughts himself but like further down the line say 300 years humans looking back would think keeping pets is weird um, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're in a different um, place now in terms of development. I mean, when you look back at the history of pet keeping, you're looking back to, oh, goodness. It, I mean, it goes all the way back to, like, the Egyptians. Yeah. And there's history all throughout, you know, the early modern age. And it's, it, it's pets are there, you know. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I think that we definitely will see a change in the terminology that we use. And that's mm. something that, that Jessica writes about a lot. So I'm, I'm using the word pet, but actually I, I hate that word. When you look at the derivation yeah, of it. I didn't know um, this. It's, so it's, yeah, it's quite bad, isn't bit, it? Yeah, where it comes from is um, uh, like uh, to either touch or to, to be something you need to look after. So mm. um uh it it the more you look into actually the word so i think what we'll see maybe even in our lifetime is a real move away from some of the language we use with our non-human animals especially in the kind of movements that we're in which is ethical dog training and you know um, veganism and the, you know we'll i think we'll definitely see a change with that and we're already seeing a move towards you know the words like companion animal mm. and caregiver instead of owner mm. um so yeah i don't know i mean will we ever get to a point as a species that we look back and see like the same disgust as we do with slavery human slavery yeah maybe but slavery is still going on now yeah and people still aren't disgusted about the slavery of the past so as ever the problem is i think people, it, yeah, yeah yeah the problem is people and <laughs> and and we won't ever move on as a whole species will we there'll be groups of people that will move on and mm. you know that's where 
the differences in society come. So maybe that's what the the uprising revolution will be about. Who knows? It's a sad thing, isn't it? Because it is always small pockets moving in small ways that add up to bigger things further down the line. And sometimes I'm thinking of like environmental issues and things at the, at the moment. Sometimes you need that big, you know, can, are we capable as a human race to do a big shift, you know, um, in order to do something without no, before no, before not. imminent disaster no we're not no we? we're not because no. look we're in a global pandemic at the moment where we were facing pretty much uh, you know mil- well millions of people have been affected and, and died and yet people are still being horrible to each other over the color of their skin mm, so yeah. no we no we're just we're just rubbish yes, well, yes. i'm really sad today aren't <laughs> i i mean i should be recording a podcast <laughs> And I like have to look, I have to look at my face and I'm just getting puffier and redder by the moment because I'm trying to keep snot and tears in. It's, this is not a good look for me. I'm right. I'm going to pull it together for the next segment. It's a good job. It's um, it's uh, an audio cast. <laughs> <laughs> Hope no one's oh, listening God. to this before they go to bed. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry, listeners. You don't have to be sorry. We always, uh, we knew we knew right from the get go that this would be a different kind a of. Yeah, a different kind of one, um, which is, you know, we're in, we're in uncharted territories. We are, we we're, are. Can we up. do, like, I don't know, something really upbeat next time? <laughs> yeah, okay. Let me look on my, like, on something the... with puppies. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, find them on the puppy. Find... Well, actually... <laughs> It's interesting because um uh we we do we need to we need to find some more guests. If anyone out there has got any um uh a uh, uh suggestions. For books, guests, things. That, I mean, I'm sure we can think of. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelf now. And there's two on there that I yeah, really love. Yeah, there's quite a few. Really love to talk to. Oh look, Jay's coming. Uh, He's coming with he some bought, tissue. He's bought oh. me a t- pack of tissue. Well, it's a toilet roll. It's not that posh. That's all right. It does the same job, doesn't it? It does. It That's does all the same good. job. Okay, right. Okay, professional Nat. Here I go. <laughs> Forging on. <laughs> Forging on. So yeah, cut. <laughs> So yeah, that really did. So great, great prick my eye section there. Um, yeah. I think I think changing our ways in both of those sections of how we view and how we look at. Um, so shall we move further on and inwards? Um, I think yes, we're, we're, the, the idea is we're going to talk to Jessica right at the end, aren't we? Um, and we're going to yes. just let Jessica's interview take us to the end this time. So we're going to we're going to forge forward. How about yeah, how about as a little break we do some questions? Okay, yeah, let's do that. Should we do some questions? Let's yeah, let's do some questions. Let me hit the jingle. Question, 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 question. Okay, thank you so much for some lovely questions on our Facebook page. Oh, again, yes. We um, have one, two, three, four, five, six questions. I do think one of them is one of them from uh, Rebecca. Yes. I think we answered that, possibly, Rebecca. I, I did say great minds think alike yes, on there. Yes, I thought we recognise. I recognised it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is it Rebecca that asked it last week? I don't know. I did, I'm yeah, not or either sure that or... if it... I don't know, but we definitely had a socialisation question, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, so... which covers it. So I, I did. I sent Rebecca... Thanks for the question, Rebecca, but I sent you a little message saying um, have a Fab. listen to the, to the question section in the last one because pretty much either someone had exactly the same question as you, which is amazing, you know, obviously that's a hot topic, or um, or it was you that asked it in the first place. So um, I don't yeah. know. But either way, it is answered on that one. So And we, we definitely talked about, you know, socialisation in terms of weighing up 
whether yeah. more experience is good or not. So um, thank you for the question, Rebecca. Let us know if our ramblings from the previous episode answer that. Um, yeah. And um, if not, let me know. We can I can look up some papers. And can stuff. go again. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK, right. So so we have five questions. So here we go. Uh, our friend Jack Fruit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bless yeah. Him. Um, Jackfruit's mum says totally love this podcast even though I'm hemorrhaging money buying so many of the books that you discuss. I should, should be glad to know this is a double booker then yeah That's I good. think we need to get we, we need to look at sponsorship for us and the listeners to get like 50% discount off books that would be great wouldn't it that would be great <laughs> yeah. some sort of we'll get yeah. our own little code or something um, so uh She's asking, to what extent do you think getting a second and more stable dog to aid the confidence of a first and more anxious one is a good idea? Oh, this is a nat question. If ever I've, if ever I've heard one, <laughs> hand this over to sister behaviorista. <laughs> um, I think that uh, dogs, less confident or anxious dogs can certainly benefit from a more stable dog, but I would never ever advise getting a dog for another dog if you want another dog get mm. another dog for you because um it's uh not half the work um and mm. uh you in terms of social experiences you, you could also try a lot out with making friends with stable good role models that your less confident dog could spend time with to kind of see how that goes um and i i remember um listening to um Karen overall last year at the action conference and she was talking about how she would take her dog to the the dog shelter to choose a friend and Anne McBride said a similar thing do you remember about rodents where she said if you so so most rodents need need social bonding groups so let's say you're going to go and choose two hamsters um then you want to pick one for you that you like the look of you know, aesthetically pleasing and cute and just <laughs> for some reason you t- take a uh, shine to and then pick their friend. So let them pick the, the friend that they live with because otherwise you could end up with um, a group that isn't very socially cohesive. Yeah. And so I think if you are, it's a bit of a roundabout way of saying, by all means, get a second dog if you want one. And yes, there could be benefits for a, a less confident dog, but you'd have to do lots of it. Um, introductions and make sure that it was the right dog not just another dog yeah Does you, that make sense uh, you've seen some um some benefits of having your your crew around mr drax haven't you yeah defo definitely but but and and he certainly is is more likely to engage in the exploratory and seeking behavior when the other dogs are around mm. because he feels more confident um it's not as intense with you know just people there um but we still could have got quite far with play dates and all sorts so you know i, I credit yeah. my dogs with with teaching him lots of stuff that i could never teach him um but um and i i probably wouldn't have got him if i didn't have dogs that would would cope but i also don't lean on my existing dogs as um yeah the, kind of social crutch that they have their own lives separate of him they're not they're not here to be his teachers 
Yeah, I've I've seen this all firsthand, which I've been amazingly privileged to be able to go in that's back garden every now and again, and yeah, um, uh, yeah it's <laughs> just <were>. fascinating to <laughs> yeah hold up, um, yeah, it's fascinating to watch them, absolutely fascinating. Um, uh, I love it. I love, love. And Peach has been part of that gang. She has. See? Peach has been actually. We're long overdue. We should. Uh, we yeah, should we are. Yeah, another, we should. Should sort out another humping session for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Peach humping Drax. That is. Um, I just, I just inadvertently might have segued to a question. We, we, uh, uh, oh yeah, you have. You ever have. the professional for looking for a question? Although I haven't got the questions up here, so you might have to read it. Well, out. I'll read it, yeah, and you, you can answer it. it. So, Go on, um, Mandy um, Calloway, who I. Um, I know with her lovely dog called Bosco. You've met her as well. I'm sure you've met Bosco. Bosco. Um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bosco, really? yeah um, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, so she's asking, why does my dog attempt to hump other dogs sometimes on or off lead? It's a tad embarrassing sometimes. It is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, humping. Well, I'd, I'd like to hear your input on this one as well. I, I see a lot of it. So in, in puppy behaviour, I see quite a lot. One, mm-hmm. one, one puppy humping another, another humping another. Um, uh I don't gen- I don't find it too concerning to be quite honest in that context um unless one you know one puppy's getting humped like way too much getting bullied mm. and and humped upon I've seen male dogs do it I've seen female dogs do it um the the where I would probably and I think you might agree with me here where I would maybe get concerns about humping would be um if I thought it was some outlet for stress or something along those mm. lines, um, I think mm-hmm. I think you know, if you, you can think of all of that sort of bundled up stress and then, and then humping is being used as an outlet. I've definitely worked with some dogs where I've seen that before. One particularly, Arky's lovely Labradoodle that I work with, but he's when we when we do like um, training sessions with him especially if we've got super high reward food with him um this is something we've learned over a long period of time sometimes that blows his mind using the mm. sort of sort of jane arden limbic system cortex yeah. thingy his mind is Blitting. and yeah. and he and that uh, manifests itself in a in a bit of a barry white session um so <laughs> we so, and mostly it happens to Corin as well, not me, bless her. Um, but um, but yeah, um, Peaches does it to Corin as well. I'm starting to see a pattern here, actually. Yeah, really, Corin's just incredibly exciting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so stress, arousal, those sorts of things. Um, it, it can be sexual, of course it can, but um, but not always. Um, so why you read a book last week called Why Dogs Ump, didn't you? I did, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do you reckon? What's your, what do you, first of all, was that okay? What I said there, I always, get, yeah, I always get nervous course. when I start talking about behaviour in front of that. Silly, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, talking about. But yeah, um, a lot of people think uh, I've heard some really weird things before. Dominance is my dog gay? I've heard that one before. Um, yeah. yeah, some some very strange ones come out of the world of humble. Well, it was a TV show, wasn't there? Yeah, well done, television again. Yeah, good stuff. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think you answered that brilliantly. Um, uh, we're obsessed with uh, with sex, and so <laughs> we assume that um, uh, humping is about sex. And actually, it's it, yes, it's about arousal, but not necessarily sexual arousal. So, mm. um, like the kind of giddy feeling you would get when your phone goes ping and the next episode of Barks from the Bookshelf is up. Nice. Go, oh my god, that's so exciting. Well done, man. And if you if you 
you know, weren't able to kind of show those emotions some other way than, and you were a dog, then you might hump. And there's, there's a couple of weird things as well. So um, I would always look for uh, patterns. So is my dog always the humper or getting humped? Yeah. Um, if my dog is always getting humped and uh, there is unlikely to be a hormonal reason for it, i.e. they've been neutered, then I would look at potentially what um, shampoo I'm using or whether their anal glands are um, emptying properly because um, uh, there's some kind of anecdotal um, research into uh, some of the parabens in shampoo mimicking what Mm -hmm. a bitch smells like on heat Um, and also the same with with anal gland um, secretions Lovely. Um, so it, it can smell like a, a bitch on heat so um or it might just be that your dog is really really exciting because they're running around and they're all doing you know exciting things so um i would look for patterns and yeah i would probably say you know knowing bosco it's probably that he is a bit frustrated because he's on the lead and he and what he would actually love to do is run with that dog whereas he can't so he's got all that pent-up excitement about wanting to have a social interaction and it comes out in a hump i've got a friend right (laughs) he he when he gets excited (laughs) his leg shakes (laughs) it's really funny (laughs) we call it his wiggy leg and uh yeah and uh yeah whenever he like you you know we we first noticed at school whenever he was going to be playing sports and then um as this friend got a bit older we noticed it when he was around the ladies um yeah his little wiggy leg goes so like you know little, wonder if that's the same yeah excitement yeah <laughs> wow wiggy leg Love there it. you go there you go and any of your friends got a wiggy legs <laughs> listeners write in answers on a postcard <laughs> to, to the wiggy leg experiment <laughs> yeah well, so Hopefully that helps, man. Anyway, oh, can I can um, I just throw something? Out? I'm going to throw something at yeah. you just quickly before we before we end it. So, when when would would you say it's uh, testosterone led sort of? Oh, not necessarily testosterone led, but more traditionally sort of sexually kind of a, a, an issue. When when would you look at that and think, oh, that is something we need to look at? Because I think if, that's... if the dogs are entire and if the dog and the yep. bitch are both entire and they look. I mean, you don't want wiggy. to mess around with being caught. Yeah, they look wiggy. There we go. Yeah. Um, it's hard, isn't it? Because if these things are going on with dogs that you don't necessarily know down the park, you don't know that dog's kind of hormonal history yeah. or, or anything like that. Um, so I think it's it's easier to put a label on something being hormonal when it's happening between dogs in the household because you can look back at, at veterinary history and all sorts. Um and uh, yeah, age of the dog, uh, is it an adolescence thing? But also adolescence can lead to increased frustration. Mm. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean that they're out wanting to have sex. It could be that they're not getting other outlets and they're getting more frustrated and therefore humping becomes a coping mechanism and an outlet of, for a, that kind of form of arousal. Um, so yeah, yeah, all sorts of things I would look at. There you go. There you go. Hope that's uh, helped you out there. And old, old Bosco can get a little less wiggy on <laughs> <laughs> his journeys around. Um, yeah. Have we got one more, have we? Is that right? We've got a few more, actually. Oh, good Lord. So, yeah, I know. So let's, let's whiz through them. Go on. So uh, question from Patricia Gregson, uh, one of our... our, our Hang on a minute. <laughs> 
Patricia Gregson. Okay, yes. right. Okay. Uh, Hello, Patricia. Thank you for your question. She's new, she's new to the gang. Um, and she says that as Nat is the queen of dog birds, uh, which in my opinion is the best and why, and do your dogs have a preference, e.g. raised versus flat, cushion versus kidney versus pillow, edge, etc. Very good question. That is a good question. I like it. Very good. Um, Peaches <laughs> just sleeps on the floor. <laughs> That's yeah. what she does. She loves yeah. the floor. Cold floor. I, could, I bought her a, a lovely bed. She had a, a really expensive bed. We bought a raised bed. Um, I'm sure you'll talk about raised beds in a second, um, which she does sleep on on occasion. But more than anything, she wants to lay on something cold basically um that girl does she likes she asked to be let outside in the garden she can go and lay on the concrete out there um yeah uh so yeah with peaches with penny she will lay anywhere anything you put anything soft down and she will she will scrunch it all up and turn around and spend 10 (laughs) minutes making it the most comfortable thing and it looks like the most uncomfortable thing oh she's had a go at it but she seems happy and then boff she's down on it i did catch her sleep on my jumper the other day that's very sweet oh that's really cute so go on then queen of beds I'll say exactly the same. I think it's it's individual preference. So I'm sure we've all been in the position where we've tried to spend a fortune on a bed that the dog goes nowhere near. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's it's observing them and figuring out what they like. So I, I love raised beds. We have one for Drax. We have one for Gru. Um, and uh, Gru has always loved sleeping on the back of the sofa, but obviously then he got to a certain size where he couldn't fit on the back of the sofa anymore. So I think he likes being raised because then he's not at foot height. You know, he doesn't like to be disturbed when he's sleeping, but he also really likes his his little cave bed, his, crate, his fabric crate mm. as well. Uh, Jack's the same as Peaches, and Jack is, like, as I said, approaching 14. He is creaky as hell. He needs to lie on something supportive, otherwise he can't so get up properly that, sometimes. And I will literally put a bed where he likes to lie and then he'll lie next to it with his head on it. Like, it, it's so frustrating. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's him. What he's never slept on a bed. Yeah, he's always liked the, a cement. Like he'll go and lie on the gravel in the garden. Mm. So he cannot be comfortable. Um, so uh, I just d- got lots of runners and things so he can actually get up off the off the wooden floor quite easily. Um, and fish and mouse, bless him, will sleep anywhere snugly. To be honest. Um, so I think it um, comes down to personal preference and choosing something that mimics, a bit like with, with choose as well, mm. mimics what your dog would naturally choose anyway. Um, and and just hope that that's not too annoying for you because, you know, Mouse would actually sleep on my head if I let her. I've, I was going to say, but I've been, um, I've been, had the privilege, the rare privilege of looking after your dogs when you went away on holiday yeah, and wow. Mouse slept on my head quite a lot. Yeah. So here you go. She, she likes sleeping on a pillow, uh, wearing herself as a hat. As I another point, know. though, um, I was on Brighton Beach, not recently, before anyone has a go at me. Um, this is way back before the COVID. It's bank holiday weekend. <laughs> before that, yeah, it's just Independence Day coming up, isn't it? Woo. Um, uh, and um, uh, yeah, me and Karen went down a lot. Um, uh, and we went to sit on the beach because it was a nice hot sunny day and I was thinking oh this is going to be really uncomfortable we ain't got anything to lay on and actually Jack might be right because I led on the beach and I fell asleep it was lovely it was quite it's actually quite supportive and very nice you know yeah yeah so maybe yeah. maybe gravel's the way forward maybe maybe it's giving him a little massage I don't know it might just be that he likes to be next to wherever I am and if I'm sat in the garden but then I put a bed down next to me so he can lie on that and he'll lie 
next to the bed on the gravel. So annoying, isn't it? You're just like, I just need need you to do this because you're old and you're giants and you don't do it. I know. know. What can you do? Gaffer tape him onto something? I don't know. Is that ethical? Well, anyway, anyway, no, probably not. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Patricia. Thanks, Patricia. I hope that answers your... I saw Patricia's... um, photo and she reminded me i can't remember i can't i can't place it yeah she really nice. reminded yeah, me of something really similar yeah mm. yeah and her accent I can't quite place it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay two more uh craig monk asks as the lockdown begins to ease how will this affect dogs how quickly were they have adjusted to their owners being home a lot more and how will them going back to work have an impact Oh, that's a good question. Uh, and do you know what's really nice about that, I think, is it's nice that you care, <laughs> you know. It's, yeah, like, it's a great, yeah. it's great to consider how they might feel off lockdown. Yeah, it's been, it's been weird, isn't it, for everyone, lockdown. Mm. Um, I get, I guess immediately the immediate thing that, um, that I would say would be you've been around a lot and then maybe you're not going to be around so much anymore. So that, that transition could be quite difficult especially if you've had a puppy during lockdown that hasn't Mm. been able to get used to you or you haven't been doing anything to get your dog used to being alone so that's definitely something that i i would be looking at um i'm really fortunate with my dogs both of them are great at being left on their own um which is such a it was a gift with peach because um you know that it's just something that you it's just another thing to have to deal with it it makes um it makes kind of integration of dogs so much easier as well because you can you know you can go and have some penny cuddles and not worry too yeah, much about it. exactly exactly just knowing that she's had enough of her you know she's had a walk and she's had a bit of a she's yeah. had a good day and then we can pop her in the kitchen and penny has her time it's exactly how we live our lives at the moment actually listeners that is it's a it's a swapping <laughs> of the dogs like it's penny's time and it's peach's time and we try and keep as much of routine as we can but I would certainly, that's something I would be looking at doing, um, especially with a puppy, getting them used to, first of all, I'd probably just get them used to the idea, if it was a puppy we're talking about, the idea that you can be in a different room from them or or even in the same room but not available. Um, there's a great, um, I think it was Emma Judson that came up with it. There's a game called The Flitting Game, which I really like with puppies. And the idea is that you set, um, I, I, I'll try and find this and post it because I might not do it the best service. So sorry, Emma, if I don't get this right. But the idea is you set a timer on your phone, a silent timer for five minutes. And then you have two rooms, like a base room and another room. So, so maybe your living room and your kitchen. And you when you, you when you set your timer up, you spend five minutes flitting between rooms. So you get up from mm, your living good. room, you go into your kitchen and you mess around with your cutlery or something. And then 30 seconds later, you go back into your living room and you mess around and you go back into the kitchen, you mess around. And the idea is that your, your dog... Well, probably what will probably happen first off is they'll follow you into every room, even if they're in a coma. They're like, boing, someone's going, and then they follow you. But after sort of a, a bit of time of doing this, your the idea is that your dog starts to think, well, this is a new weird thing that my human does, and I'm quite comfortable here sleeping in my little in my little bed so what you would what you tend to normally see is that they'll start coming but they'll come halfway sort of look around the corner down the hall and go is this is this the weird thing that they're doing is it or are they actually doing it and then they and then they might stop coming with you and it's just a nice little way to get them used to the idea that you you can be in in the same house and not present i think that's the first step for me and then gradually building it up bit by bit piece by piece where people will go wrong is or sometimes go wrong every dog's different is is you know in the pen shut the door going out for an hour you know that sort of yeah. thing that's that's a, that's a that's a stretch too far quite often um 
I think masks is another one worth thinking about. I, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm not seeing as many masks as I'd like to see when I'm out and about at the moment. I'm a, but that's another story. But it, you know, the potential for your dog bumping into someone with a face mask on, um, yeah, could be quite high, and that might be something worth um, desensitising them to. I don't know what you reckon. Yeah, I think so. I think it's worth just trying. I mean, they might just go from there. Yeah. <laughs> So then you haven't got to worry about it. So uh, yeah, it's worth trying, definitely. If it ain't broke, um, don't fix it. Exactly. Um, and uh, the the question of kind of post-lockdown um, dog behaviour was a subject of um, an APBC Facebook Live yesterday. Ooh. So um, I will post that actually as a reply, if that's okay. I'll yeah. post the link to the video um, to... Um, the reply to Craig um, because yeah that that little game you mentioned is brilliant and that's kind of the start of it and then this Facebook live goes into a lot more detail which oh, is well, great. that's good so, that's really yeah. really nice luckily enough um, Thursday night um, around the Goodall's house that's the day that I normally put my gimp mask on so my dogs are well used to masks <laughs> Well, used to it. They got no problem. Um, yeah, another, Thursday night is gimp another night. Another insight we did not need. <laughs> Right, uh, should we go for the last last question here? Colin, I love last this question. question. Yeah, so from um, Kelly Romar Horsepole. Okay. Uh, do pet dogs benefit from rest days? I'm horsey and it's widely accepted we ride five to six times a week but tend to be walked daily, twice daily. Is there a benefit to a regular day off or more benefit to the mental and physical stimulation of a daily walk provides? Good question, Kelly. I love that question. Kelly's Good. like, she, I think we could we could describe Kelly as a top fan. Um, Kelly yes. comments quite often on stuff. Um, she, she is, actually. She's got a little diamond with top fan. Oh, there you name. go. Top fan. Yeah. Top fan, Kelly. Uh, yeah, I think yes. I definitely, I see the benefits of having rest days with my dogs. Uh, tangibly, I see, I see the benefits of that quite often, especially if they've had a big day or on a slightly different topic, maybe um, a stressful day. So, so yeah. Penny's quite reactive to fireworks. Last thing I would do if she'd had a bad night of thunder or fireworks or something like that is, you know, take her out for a, a, a lovely social the day after. That would be an absolute. Mm. I would, I'd probably give her a couple of days off if it was a really, really stressful experience. Maybe even longer, but. But yeah, I think so. What do you think now? Yeah, think? yeah, I do. I definitely think so. Um, I mean, the the kind of research into stress hormones and things suggests that uh, a spike will return back to normal after 24, 48 hours. So okay. the whole daily walk thing, I mean, it obviously it depends on case by case basis mm. and it depends where you're going and what you're doing. But I, I have rest days all the time and obviously I've got five dogs so I can choose who's going where as well. And I let them choose. So mm. this morning I took, obviously Drax isn't out on walks yet. So he'd had a glump in the garden um, and then, I thought, right, I've got an hour. I'll go down the field and let them have a trot around and read the end of Jessica's book in the sun. Um, and Grew didn't want to come, just looked up from his bed and went, nah. So he didn't come. So he hasn't had a walk today. I might offer him a walk later. Um, by offering, I just mean I pick up his harness and if he runs over to me, then we go out. And if he look, doesn't and he goes back to sleep, then we don't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, where the weather's been a bit weird and windy and rainy, um, I will often just do some ent- extra mental enrichment at home or yeah, I really play it by ear, to be honest. And I think it's good for them as well, um, especially I'm, I'm juggling lots of different 
requirements for my dogs so you know half an hour run in the garden for drax is wipes him out um jack also he his mind is still very much active but his body isn't so he needs the enrichment of going somewhere new or just going to the field but he wouldn't cope with a two-hour hike Mm. um fish will take whatever you give him and obviously fish is missing his trips to the pub which Mm. he he loved um when that's uh, when when that says fish he means nat yeah um uh mouse would just stay in bed all day every day i do actually have to get her out sometimes (laughs) when she doesn't want to bless her and yeah grew just does what he wants i mean all of them are pretty flexible but i think rest days are brilliant and so what i would like us to move away from is um this kind of regimented oh my goodness we have to have x amount of walking per day uh you know kind of normal peer pressure thing because uh, especially with the cases involving anxiety and fear um it's just detrimental to recovery um so I do think we've got a, a weird attachment to walking the dog in society. Yeah. Um, also going, that that harks back to the the backpack walk and the Cusco dogs, doesn't it? And the Steve yeah, Mann exactly. thing, you know, about yeah. what, a, what a dog would do if it could choose to do it itself. You yeah. Know? So a walk doesn't, isn't necessarily, you know, what you, you know, making sure you, your dog is happy isn't necessarily, you know, two hour walks a day chasing a ball for 45 minutes on each of yeah. them. It, and do you know what? That's what, um, just to neatly come full circle uh that's what run spot run is all about ah. but that i'm reading because it's saying okay so we f- we think that there aren't welfare issues with our dogs because they're they've got good health care they've got a comfy bed they go out on a walk every day but actually is is that in line with what they would choose to do or is that what we think they need good question how do you know mm. your how do you know your dog is happy that's a good question isn't mm. it um you know Oh, well, there you go. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you so much, everybody. What a, what a wonderful bunch of bookshelvers we have out there firing us yes. questions. There's some really, really good ones there. Made me have to think. My, my brain's hurting. I had to think a bit. <laughs> Should we have a break? <laughs> yeah. Wow. We're going to have to go dive back into the, uh, the the potential tissue needing sections of the podcast. Okay. Oh, God. Okay, right. I prepare myself. <laughs> so here we go then. Thank you very All much. All right, let's go. Whoa! It's the Greg Wallace moment. <laughs> Ooh, there he is. 30, 30 years old celebrity master chef. Did you know that? Wow, I thought like, you were going to say 30 years old Greg <laughs> Wallace. I was like, no way! <laughs> what? They, yeah, they celebrated their 30th anniversary this wow. this this week. Um, uh, so yeah, old Greggy. Greggy it's Wallace amazing. has been around for oh well, I guess so was it was he in the first Actually, series I yeah, know John Churode was that makes well it used to be Lloyd Grossman didn't it oh, of course who and would live in a my house friend, like this my friend Dan was on MasterChef when he was a kid ah. so yeah it's as old as us isn't that amazing well I'm a bit older than you only a little bit. <laughs> Um, so Greg Wallace moment this week so uh, sorry I'm yeah. <clears throat> face the microphone Steve don't talk away from the microphone God, you'd think by now I'd be good at this wouldn't you so mine is so um, I've often um, asked myself the question or or been talking to people about like when when is that that horrible moment when you know that it's coming at some point for all of us that own pets where we decide is it time for want of a better expression um, mm-hmm. 
And I remember someone telling me once, I can't remember who this was, but they said uh, a good way to decide would be to pick your dog's favourite three things. And if they can't do two of those three, or if two of those three are seriously compromised, then that might be a good time to start thinking about, is it yeah. time? And I always thought that's a bit... Be honest, I thought that's a bit like three things. It's a bit, <laughs> a bit not not enough for me. I don't know. I, hey, no one wants to think about these things anyway, do they? And that, and also that sort of refrain. It's talked about in the book that that thing that people tell. Oh, they'll they'll tell you when it's time. I don't, I, you know, I don't. That, that's just too woolly, isn't it? You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. And I think I, I personally have seen uh dogs that that should have been said goodbye to yeah and and maybe that then makes it easier for me to know what that level is and that, it, that level will be different for everybody but it's not up to us exactly That's... it shouldn't be up to us it should be for what's best for them and I, you know of course there's there's all sorts of emotions and mental health stuff tied up in that i'm not trying to make it sound like it's as simple as no, you know it's time it's but. so it's so tricky um but you i think we would all love if there was some sort of like you know definite way of like tick this box tick this box tick this box mm. but my my greg wallace moment is so um alice villa lobos we were just saying with me I'm, I'm probably butchering her second name there <laughs> And I'm going to butcher the name of her scale as well because I I'm going to say it's the poor spice scale, poor spice scale, or the poor. Spice. Well, I think because it could be like hospice it's actually. Talk, it's it? like hospice because it's yeah, poor spice. Look at that! I had a little light bulb moment in my head <laughs> <laughs> live. Um, and so basically, yeah, um, it, it's a scale to so it's to, to look through. Um, go through this scale to see you know how your dog is doing. If it might be time to start thinking about end of life stuff basically um uh and basically uh it goes down and it's done in in letters so it's it's h h h h h m m um and each of these obviously stand for a word so let's go through them and have a and have a look shall we um so first h is hurt so obviously that's that's pain related you know is your dog in pain um obviously something you should be you know considering um when they're old you know how much pain are they in it's, it's a hard one pain isn't it it's uh this book there's a fascinating there's a whole chapter on pain um and, and what... i'm like a pain geek now because a lot of um the trauma research that i've done because of drax and uh just because of undiagnosed pain being a, a lot of the reason of, of behavioral issues in, in yeah. case and client work um there's some there's some fascinating work i know you've probably might mention frank mcmillan but his work is astounding about the how emotional pain can actually be more detrimental to the individual than physical pain it's such a fascinating subject and i when i was reading through this the idea of um you know i get my mind blown on a daily basis when i'm reading these books but the idea that the pain pain is a signal that's sent to your spinal cord and then the actual feeling of pain again i'm hamming this right up but the actual feeling of pain is the emotional reaction to that signal being sent mm. so how do you how how do you put that on a scale it seems it seems almost unattainable yeah. uh, to describe as a human to another human let alone another you know a non-human animal 
doing the same, you know, just absolutely insane. Well, so- look at the variation in pain thresholds in humans. Just if yeah. we had a small group of friends, you know, someone naming no names, Jason Light, might get a splinter and scream and cry and generally panic. Um, <laughs> and someone else like me will just go, oh, I'll get that out with some tweezers. Cause no you're, big deal. Because you're hard as a woodpecker's lips. I am with physical pain, but not emotional pain. <laughs> emotional pain, I have no threshold whatsoever. It's very difficult to know if a dog's in pain. Um, yeah. Uh, I know, uh, again, they, they talk about different different species and how they how they react to pain. Um, I know there's, there's a type of rat that fluffs its fur up when it's in pain, and they were talking about horses um, tensing certain muscles when they're in pain, something happening with their eyes. But quite often it's very subtle, um, yeah, there's, if you're interested, that it, Google grimace scales. Uh, there's grimace scales for uh, rats, rabbits, horses, cats, um, probably more species than, than I know, but they're, they're ways of... Uh, and it's fascinating when you look at it, because you it, like when we have talked about learning canine body language as a, as a way of communicating, you know, suddenly you start to see, oh, yeah, ow, that does that must be in pain because look at the, the mm. facial expression and all sorts. But yeah, it's really hard to assess. It's kind of in, in a way, when you, especially the pain one, it's kind of a weird thing. Cause you, if, if, a, if an animal can't communicate, it's in pain to us. I think a lot of us would bury our heads in the sand and just assume they're not in pain, which I'm not saying everyone needs to assume their dog is in some sort of pain all the time. I'm not saying that I'm far beyond it, but the the i think the opposite goes we just like we just dismiss it out of our mm. minds completely you know they're getting up they're walking around they're running they seem happy they're eating they're doing all of that you know would mm. we be looking for a slight limp or some people you you meet can look at a dog and go oh yeah there's a problem with the that ligament and that light and you just like wow um yeah it's and- knowing what's normal isn't it and we have to remember that we are their voice we're their advocates so um uh, the, the, you know, if you wake up with a bit of a headache, you can walk to the cabinet and take a painkiller. Dogs can't do that. So we have to be looking for these little signs to, and we have to be strong if we go to the vet and they do a manipulation and go, they didn't scream, so there's no pain there. Mm. You know, yeah. don't wash with me. No, no, I'm with you there. So the whole idea of this scale is you you, you do it naught to 10, I think, naught to 10. So... Um, so obviously 10 being your dog is in a lot of pain um nor mm-hmm. being your dog is not in. so we'll go down to the next h which is hunger um so this is to do with appetite how much your dog is eating um so you'd range you know um with most dogs i would say it's a good indicator that something isn't right if your dog is not eating um obviously every dog's different but um i'm doing this about jack in my head as we go along so okay. he, his his appetite is fine good he would so anything he, he's a 10 so he's, yeah <laughs> no a zero is he, he a, a zero, zero? yeah he must be a zero he so must yeah be a zero. so hydration is the next one um how much they drink um you have to take into account um lack of mobility with this one i think as well and also if they've been sick a lot when they're older that that can be some another one that can lead to dehydration obviously if they're drinking but then can't hold it down um but how much your dog is drinking the next one's interesting hygiene um i was going to talk i probably will talk to jessica a little bit about this as well but in in terms of welfare like what you need to be providing for a dog that's older that's coming to the end of its days 
Um, sometimes, you know, if they become a bit incontinent, that means that we limit them access to all of the places in the house that they love to go. Like if your dog sleeps in, in, in your bed with you, and then, you know, sometimes they're wet in the bed and things like that. Your maybe your first inkling would be, right, well then now they're sleeping downstairs. And that would be yeah. the wrong, you know, the wrong time to do that. You know, the absolute you know, the, you need to think about that slightly. Then I think. you're not there um to observe things in the night, you mm. know. Um so I'm just finding a note here because I remember asking my vet about hydration. So she told me that 70 milliliters per kilogram would be excessive. Okay. So you can figure it out. Um, so you can, if you're worried about your dog drinking too much, which then can be a signal for kidney problems, right. you know, all sorts, 70 mils per kilogram would be excessive, apparently. I mean, I'm not a vet. You know, I'm not a vet, but I'm just. Okay, so that's, that is interesting. That's going the other way. Like drinking too much yeah. can be an indication of a problem. Oh, that's, yeah, that is yeah. really interesting. Okay, I won't try and do the maths live. But. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, happiness is the next H. Um, how do you, how they they ask in the book? How would you judge if your dog is happy? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Again, you're getting into those sort of like philosophical questions, but you know, start observing, looking what you know what. Uh, Maybe that goes back to making that list you were talking about and making mm. it more than three, and just saying, okay, these are the things that they used to do when they were a sprightly young dog. How many how many do they do now? Yeah. How many do they enjoy? Again, like I was playing tug with Jack yesterday, and he was loving it. So there you okay, go. I'm, I'm not feeling as bad. I mean, it could change tomorrow. Who knows? But um, this is this exactly. is good. Exactly. Uh, M. So we're going on to our M's now. So first M is mobility. Um, how mobile is your dog? You know, can they still get upstairs? Are they a bit stiffer and things if they do climb onto things? Um, do they wobble and fall on themselves a little bit? There's a, there's a, a very sweet story about the the, the last. I haven't actually mentioned him yet. The last walk is based around Jessica's dog Odie that she did a, a whole journal on. Um, and Odie's just sounds absolutely delightful, although he does try to bite her a lot. <laughs> I'll ask her about that. Um, but yeah, um, and he's and she was really desperate to get him to because he was becoming a little bit incontinent, so they're desperate to get him to use a dog flap, but they mm. hadn't quite worked out that he kept bashing his back leg on the flap, which would cause him to like fall. So he'd get halfway through and then be sort of you know oh, grounded on the thing and just like bless him so, but they worked Beach. out and then they got a, like a little ramp thing to do it with him but yeah all yeah. of these things um all of these things are considerations again how, how how mobile are they and then the last m is more good days than bad um i think that one's pretty self self-explanatory um but yeah there's a so here you can score out of a possible 70 so i think that's quite a nice thing to aim yeah, for yeah that's there. really good um and it gives you a picture doesn't it yeah, it's a good way of taking the emotion out of it slightly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, which is hard. So, yeah, so hard, so hard. So that's one. That's one. I've got a sneaky second. Sorry, but um, but I'll let you go with your. With your okay, I'll go with mine. So, yeah. this is my um. I'm basically spoiling the whole book. I'm reading the final paragraph of the book. Good lord! Probably against some kind of law. Do we need a Do we need to put a spoiler books? warning? Possibly. I mean. Anyway, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it. Um, rogue. She's gone rogue. Yeah. I leave you with a call to action. 
Change starts with awareness. By increasing awareness about the issues raised in this book, ranging from personal pet ownership to the global pet industry, we can begin to make more careful decisions about our own pets and about the broader community of animals with whom we live. Through education, careful decision-making about animal guardianship and active efforts to thwart abuse, neglect and abandonment, we can all make a difference. Awareness also gives birth to compassion, which may call some of us on to advocacy on a broader scale. Both action and inaction surrounding our pets and the pet industry will have consequences. The question I will leave you with is, how do you wish to define your role in all of this and what changes do you hope to impart? To mic drop I mean, not too moment. many spoilers, not too many spoilers in no. there because she's alluding back to everything that you need to read about in the book. But I think that's a very powerful message to end a book, an ethics book on, don't you? It's hugely powerful. It's, I've, it, got, I've I got a little tingle down this. I know. It like, <sighs> if I feel like I should have been on a podium then. <laughs> with rousing music like uh you know that you know in the hunger games where she does that talk, <laughs> and then they all do the oh yeah yeah with the hand signal no, that's, the, that's the heavy metal sign you just did yeah what, what what am i doing i don't know <laughs> um that that's what i feel that should be yeah oh i can't wait to talk to jessica it's gonna be interesting I've got um I've got a sneaky second sneaky second okay, Wallace on, double Wallace go mini on. Wallace um so this one is in um well I've I've got a sneaky second one as well so don't end the segment okay. before you come back to me all right so this is in the pain um the pain section of the book which is absolutely fascinating again um and it, it, it's on uh, in the paragraph and told who should decide what makes an animal happy and this is a little uh, a story a little anecdote um so I'm just gonna read this one out. <clears throat> It is who uh, it is we who live with the animals who are in position usually to confirm what's important to them. I'm reminded of a story about Finn, a Weimarana who belonged to my friend Pansy. When Finn was 14, he cut his leg and Pansy took him to the vet. The vet did some tests and said that he wouldn't be able to stitch Finn's leg because putting him under anesthesia would be dangerous. Finn had a heart condition. The vet proposed doing tests on Finn's heart and perhaps even doing heart surgery so that he would then be able to withstand the rigours of getting stitches in his leg. Pansy resisted, thinking that at Finn's age, lots of poking, prodding and, spe and spending time in a crate at the vet's office was the last thing he would want. The vet became a bit tetsy. This is, this is quite a thing for a vet to say. You don't want Finn to die chasing a rabbit, do you? He scolded. Without a moment's hesitation, Pansy replied, that's exactly what I want. She grabbed Finn's <laughs> leash and together they walked out the door. Oh, I love that. And and going back into the idea that, you know, we decide what makes our animals happy. I think, you know, you can be your advocate in those moments as well. There's a there's a passage, and before I get ahead of myself, there's a passage in this about, um, about vets and what they go for on a day-to-day -day basis. And they are bloody heroes a lot of the time. Um, and yeah. You know, if you, you, they make a lot of decisions that a lot of people can't make, and you know, obviously, I'm not a vet, and all of that stuff. Oh my god! Like the yeah. the the mental health fallout within the veterinary industry yeah. is insane. I don't I don't ever want to be seen to be a vet basher. I'm, no. I'm not. Um, the the book that I teach from uh it, at uni is something called Blue Juice. So mm. if you want to find, if you want a hard read, Steve, I can uh, send you some stuff from there. So it's basically about euthanasia in veterinary medicine and the all the stuff they have to go through. There's a big, a big section on that in this book. So um, mm. you, know, you probably, you know, I might have a chat with Jessica about that. But yeah. Yeah. 
But that being said, you know, if you don't like the things that you're being told, if they don't ring true, you're allowed to A, seek a second opinion or B, you know, vote with your feet sometimes. That's not, you know, it's not to say that we everyone gets it right all of the time. Um, I, I hope I hope she won't mind me saying this, but um, my lovely sister, her, her little dog, we lost um, last year. Mm. And I think part of what, was the worry of taking him in was that the vet would say that this is the end now mm. and and that is that can only be your decision yeah. so don't put off getting pain relief or investigations um because your vet will want to do the same as you and make the end as comfortable as possible exactly um but i think that's a legitimate worry for some owners as well yeah um yeah, so you'd put it off and put it off and yeah, put it off and put yeah. it off. It's yeah, so many emotions involved in these things. Yeah, but again, that's why this book's really good. I can't, I can't stress yeah. enough. It's, it's hard read, and if you've just been through something like I literally was blubbing all afternoon this afternoon. That's a Corin came in, had to give me a hug. Oh, babe. And I knew, and you know, as it's going along, the because it's done in the form of a journal about OD, you know where this is going. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The bit, I mean, how they dealt with it at the end is just beautiful, heartbreaking, but absolutely beautiful the the way they do it. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to talk about it because I don't know if I'd, I'd have to then leave here, go round to Nat's house with some yeah. flowers, <laughs> <laughs> apologise for ruining her day. Um, no, 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 no. But, uh, you, you are not ruining anything. It's important. It's important things to talk about, and exactly. I shouldn't be ashamed of my emotions. Oh no, of course, of course not, of course not. Um, so you got you've got an extra, you got a, a sneaky second, Greg. Hey, just to end on a high, I had a real life Greg Wallace moment. Did you? I sent you it. What? What? what huh? What? I, I don't feel it got the appreciation it needed. I was watching Celebrity MasterChef. Greg Wallace was on the telly talking about how brilliant something was. He was, you know, putting a fork in his mouth really slowly and going, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and Drax just wandered in and came and stood oh, with okay. me while I was cooking yeah. dinner. Yeah, I, I, sorry. I think I, I remember seeing the photo when I was right in the middle of doing something and I didn't, I, you're right, I probably didn't respond. I sent you a video. Greg Wallace is in the video. Oh, I missed in this In the background. Then. Hang on, let me see if I can play it. Will the, will the audio pick up? probably yeah hang on um right here we go does he say wow uh <laughs> be good if he he did. hang on one of the photos of drax when he was in your kitchen go. looked like you'd done a stencil on the back wall of him <laughs> oh i can't hear it i can't oh, hear really? it no oh bummer send it oh I think because your microphone's... That's John Tarot. Oh. oh, I see. Yeah. So what I'll do is I will be happy to share that with fellow uh, bookshelfers. It's basically a video of Drax stood there having his ears cleaned by fish in our lounge with Greg Wallace on in the background. I don't think I saw that video. They must have passed me by that one. I must have... Yeah, I saw the photo. Oh, no, this is a lot better. Okay, right. Well, there All you right. go. That's why I, I'm obviously... I Sorry, I must have... Uh... No need no. to apologise. Must have been washing my hair. I, I or thought I, I I should have uh, yeah, saved it more. But anyway, <laughs> I've mentioned it now, so there we go. One on a slight aside, John Churode, is that how you say his name? Has anyone else ever noticed how much that guy blinks? 
No. I tell you, watch him. Just watch him. And is he doesn't blink like a normal human, like one blink. He will not blink. And then he will do a thousand blinks. And then he'll not blink for a while. And then just brrr, like that. Wow. Uh, okay, you you can once you see that it's one of those things. Once you see it, you can never unsee it again. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with his blinking function. I don't know okay. what he's got. Maybe he's got wiggy eyelids. Well, they're wiggy eyelids. I don't know. <laughs> well, he's actually in this clip slightly. Uh, can you see of his Thomas? Uh, so we'll see. We well, could have a double whammy here. We've got Drax, Fish being cute, uh, Greg Wallace, and John Tarrod's blinking. Um, <laughs> it's covering all the bases. <laughs> go have you got you've got a zoo is that is that that is your greg wallace moment that's my greg oh, wallace moment yeah there you go there you go yeah. well well done, done. well done yeah. well done drax well done fish for cleaning <laughs> his ears well done greg well done john for having a wiggy eyelid and uh <laughs> just well done everyone well done all round there we go so that brings us to the end of our greg wallace moment um shall we shall we press on natalie let's do that <laughs> hey well as ever we are we are thrilled, humbled, excited. Amazed. Yeah, I was going to say humpy then. That's not right, is it? <laughs> wiggy. <laughs> We're wiggy. To, to We're wiggy. be able to talk to another amazing author. Um, uh, she's She's actually taking up quite a lot of room on my shelf, one of my shelves now, because I've went a bit mad and bought all the back catalogues from her good and Mark have written. Good on you. So, I think, um, I, I, I think uh, the book that they've got coming out, her and Mark Beckoff about Oh, God, I can't wait. Yeah, we'll, we will. We'll try and sweet talk Jessica into coming on with Mark um, to talk about that because that I think that... Um, that would be, That'd be awesome. amazing. And I think uh, I'm going to try and push for some of these books to get put on the syllabus at uni because it really fits really? with the... Yeah, it really fits with the... Um, uh, regarding animals module that I teach, which is all about how we look at animals in society, and uh, it's really interesting. Won't that be cool? Yeah, that'd be really cool. Oh, that'd be great. Well, awesome. Right. So, shall I tell you a bit about Jessica then? Tell with us a bit um, about Jessica. just you know, off off the top of my head, you know, not reading not reading anything out at all. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Jessica Pierce is a bioethicist and faculty affiliate at the Centre for Bioethics and Humanities at the University of Colorado. Oh dear, there's a word I don't know. Anschutz Medical Campus. Yeah, I think you got that. Yeah. Name. Um, she's the author of eleven books. I know. Eleven, including *The Last Walk: Reflections on Our Pets at the Ends of Their Lives*, which Steve O is reading, and *Run Spot Run: The Ethics of Keeping Pets*, which I am reading, and has published essays in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Guardian. She was she is a regular contributor contributor to psychology today um and there's a link here which will stick on uh, our page i won't read it out and sound like i'm from the 90s um <laughs> and <laughs> her website is jessicapierce.net again we'll put the link on her most recent book is unleashing your dog how to give your canine companion the best possible life with mark beckoff and hopefully we'll cover that one day um on the hang on That's- hang on we covered that one last week <laughs> That's oh, the one with no. Mark. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know I, what you're I thinking. You're thinking that. of the new one. Yeah. I read, I read Why Dogs Hunt, didn't I? Yep. Okay, so right, we have covered that. Apologies. Let's just. Back in time. Um, we have covered that. We will hopefully cover with Mark 
and uh, Jessica, the future one where humans don't exist anymore. I know, which sounds incredible. I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't express how excited I am about that one. No. Um, so yeah, um, there we go. Shall we? Uh, Let's go have a chat with her. Pull back the curtain. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I've been t- thank you so much for doing this first yeah, of all for giving you. us your, your precious thing. time um, yeah we're all, always really humbled by everyone that agrees to come on and we yeah. spoke to Mark yeah. last week um uh-huh what an amazing guy that is um yeah yeah incredible. I bet that was fun he is so good to talk to I Brilliant. We we could have talked to him all afternoon. I know. I always feel like my brain is exploding after I've talked to Mark. Yeah, in a yeah. good way. I've yeah, yeah, a, yeah. I've had a week of feeling like that, to be quite honest with yeah. you. Yeah. And um, he mentioned the new book that you guys are writing, and that uh-huh. sounds absolutely fantastic. It was such an interesting project. It is still. We're not done yet. But um, <laughs> done with the first phase. We're trying. We're um, trying to get. We're trying to pin you guys down that when when it's out and we've eventually had a chance to read it, maybe you'll come on together. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. So I mean, I wanted to start by saying um, I, I I absolutely adore. So we're doing we're doing two books on the podcast um, because we couldn't decide which ones to do. So I got yeah. I got the last walk, and that got nice. run spot run. Um, for me though, the last walk was I. I mean, we've we've done loads of books um, on this podcast so far. This will be like episode 17, I think. Um, and all important, all amazing books. Um, but this one for me, and I was trying to, in my own stupid way, trying to trying to get this across was really important for me because I lost my um, my dog Scooby in January. And, um, oh, and a lot of the things, thank you, a, a lot of the things that are covered in here, things that I, because then the pandemic came over, I hadn't really processed a lot of it and it was all very sudden. Yeah. So it's not really a similar story to Odie's story in the book, but um, such an important, important piece of work i can't stress that enough and i'm gonna i'm gonna be singing its praises forevermore i think um but it's such an incredible book um and i um you've been responsible for me crying nearly all afternoon so far um so thank you for that yeah i'm just gonna put that disclaimer out there that i've already steven i've been chatting before you joined us and i'm i've already blubbed Uh, my husband had to bring me some tissues in so i sorry if i go cry at any point but I'm kind of living through a bit of an end of life plan. I don't know. Oh, yeah. He might go on till he's 25 years old yeah. and, and prove us all wrong. But um, watching my colleague get a bit old at the moment. So um, it's yeah. still a bit raw. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard. Even um, I think I wrote The Last Walk 10 or 12 years ago and I just was reading the beginning of it. And I, I actually teared up too. It's just you never recover from. No. The no. loss of one of these companions no. they worm their way into our hearts. <laughs> yeah, completely, completely. Yeah. One of the things yeah. that I I found myself I think it, I've been guilty of, or not guilty. That's not the right word. But um, uh, a lot of the books that we've read are quite science based books. They're quite mm-hmm. um, or instructional. 
And I, obviously, we've been dipping our toes this week, both Natalie and myself, into the philosophical side of things, um, which has been really interesting. Um, really, really good. So I guess I, I, philosophy in the world of dogs, it doesn't normally meet in, in my day-to-day work, but I've, I've really, really um, um, appreciated the, the big questions being asked. So I just wondered if you could speak a little bit about um, about that big topic, of course. but yeah. Well, yeah, I find that, um, you know, it's especially for somebody in, in bioethics, which is my subfield, um, it's very rare for somebody to focus on animals and particularly on, on pets and dogs. And, you know, I've been thinking and writing about dogs for like 15 years and the more I, you, you would think one could get bored, but <laughs> I, I find it more and more interesting. The digger, the deeper I dig into it, it just, the moral issues are so interesting to me. Um, and not just because I love dogs, but because they are complicated and we are complicated and the way we intersect together is rich and and deep and um, yeah, it's, um, I think it's fascinating. And, you know, you, you always look for the big in the small. Yeah. And I think in, in my interactions with Bella, who's sitting here next to me and Odie and um, all of the creatures with whom I've shared my, my living space, I, I don't know. They speak to to the big questions of why we're here, what it means to be a good person, and you know, um, live a good life. So, never, never a dull day. <laughs> never a dull day. Yeah, and and um, I think I don't know about you, Nat, but the but the big questions I found really, really um, enthralling in the last walk i think that i haven't had a chance to read one spot run yet but that whole question of the ethics of keeping companion animals is a really big one we were talking before about whether or not we thought in 300 years it might be a weird thing to have kept a pet <laughs> for human beings yes. i wonder that too and i as much as i i love my animals i i almost hope that we end up at that point it's weird um, isn't it it's a strange it is it's weird. a strange feeling to have it's almost like cognitive dissidence of like it is yeah. and you know it's it's interesting to me that you know almost i'd say almost every person who lives with a dog especially i think cat owners to a certain extent but particularly dog owners have those who are thoughtful have some level of discomfort with it um or there are just there are things that seem that raise questions. You know, are we in in keeping dogs in the way we do? Are we in a way sort of patronizing them and making them less? Um, you know, taking yeah. away their dogness yeah. in certain ways that that are that do them an injustice. So, I certainly struggle with sort of 
owner guilt of, yes. you know, am I doing <laughs> enough for my dogs? Oh, and yeah. am, I, am I selfish to have them? But and and then also, I mean, you explore this brilliantly in the, in the book and I won't be able to do it justice. Um, but, you know, I, I count myself as an environmentalist, but they have a massive carbon footprint and, you know, just all the poo that they met, especially with an Irish wolfhound. I mean, that <laughs> <laughs> his, his carbon footprint is pretty huge. Um, yeah. And, you know, what do I feed them? And, oh, there's so many different factors to consider. And I think I, I kind of get around it personally for me by having rescue dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, rescue re- rescue non-human animals um so i uh, you know that helps me alleviate the guilt a little yeah. bit um but then would i be as a compassionate human being if i wasn't surrounded by them all the time it's it, it's a trade-off isn't it and and like you say it in is, the book yeah. ethics ethics isn't uh, wrong or right it's it's a whole myriad of things and right and and i like um you know one of my professors in graduate school uh, said in the beginning of a lecture, he said, ethics is for good people. It's, it's really, and bad people are not that interested in ethics. Um, <laughs> so it, you know, the people who are really thinking, trying to be conscientious about living with other animals um, are the ones who, who most struggle with these things. And almost from the moment you wake up in the morning, if you live with a a companion animal of one sort or another, you're going to be um, confronted by these dilemmas. And I, you know, with something like, for example, what is the right thing to feed my dog? I I think about it like every time I feed her a meal, am I doing the right thing? Um, And I flip-flop, you know, last month I had a different opinion about it. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, you you think things through a little more or you read a new study and your opinion changes and um, it can keep you quite busy <laughs> yeah, and quite conflicted. Yeah, no, but spoke- I think what, yeah, I think what you said Ed, is really um, such a good point though, that they, they really make us better people and mm. ground us and they're wonderful teachers of compassion and empathy and just, I don't know they can can help us become nicer oh yeah I think sometimes I mean I I haven't been able to read uh the last walk and I whether I will I do because I'm a I'm a blubber um but it's it doesn't take away that I know they're very important questions to ask and you know in in run spot run one of the things that I've written down in my notes here is about your feelings towards the crickets that you're feeding Lizzie the gecko and (laughs) you know having that kind of guilt there and I've done the same I have I have a very close friend who has um uh reptiles and I really I can't do the rat feed I just can't yes I can't do that um and maybe that's a bit uh, hypocritical of me but yeah it's it's hard they're hard things but they're they're things that we should confront and shouldn't shy away from yeah I think that's the key point I mean that and it isn't even that there's a, a right answer mm. there may be a whole range of you know better answers and less good answers um, and that's what I'm interested in exploring getting to the the better answers if possible and um, at least thinking 
And, you know, maybe it just means worrying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm quite good at that. (laughs) Yeah, I am too. Maybe that's why I'm in this field. Um, And it it really does cultivate a a sense of worry. Um, But I think that's, that's good. Um, You know, it, it fosters self exploration um, and growth. And these questions so, come and, up and, in in all yeah. sorts of places as well, don't they? In weird ones. I, I remember in um in in the last uh, in the last walk, there's a section there. I'm going to be hamming this up because I didn't write any notes down, but it just sprung to mind then when you were talking about there was a, a, a I think it might have been a shelter doing a fundraiser, claws mm-hmm. for paws. Yes. And so the fundraiser uh, was yep. to 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 raise money for a no no kill shelter. But they were offering like a, a lobster dinner for everyone yes. that, in order to raise the funds. So, yeah, you know, you might you might not even consider that. It might not even come into your mind. But straight away, you see that there's weird. That doesn't sit right, does it? Yeah, it is all very strange. And there's uh, uh, this isn't on companion animals, but animal ethics and and con. I don't know contradictions. There's a, a wildlife refuge just down the road from where I live and. People, literally, there is a queue to sign up to be a volunteer. People want to be volunteers of this place so bad because you get to see baby chipmunks and mm. baby robins. And it's, it's really um, an amazing place. Um, and they do amazing work. But people drive, some volunteers drive several hours, not exaggerating, wow. to, to get to their shift. And I think of how many animals are killed on the road. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, seriously, yeah. because every time I drive down there, I see at least one casualty on the side of the road. I'm thinking, you know, maybe, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, where's the there, payoff? Everything yeah. has its... Yeah. <laughs> and no. have they stopped at McDonald's for their lunch? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Bring your ham sandwich in. While <laughs> I can't remember where the quote's from, but I, 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 I quite often say it, but there's no such thing as a biological free lunch, is there? You just, you just can't. No. There's always a trade-off at some point, somewhere, and... Um, yeah, for those of us that, th- that that think about it or worry about it, it can be it can be quite a tough thing. Um, yeah, I, like thinking, feeling good about drinking almond milk rather than cow's milk for yeah. all this time, and now discovering that <laughs> I, I have led to the extinction of the bees. Yeah, that's yeah. so. so another thing to feel guilty about. I'm just waiting for yeah, the exactly. science to come out that plants have some sort of emotional. Oh like, yeah, well. <laughs> well then I'm carrot done. screen yeah, <laughs> yeah carrot screen so it, it is actually emerging don't worry yeah. it's coming to get you I know. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be eating I don't know I don't know what I'll be eating at the end of that so we're all gonna get really thin <laughs> well, that, that's good news after lockdown anyway that'd be I could do with a bit <laughs> yeah, of that that's for sure I know <laughs> um a couple I just wanted to dive into a couple of the little bits about sure, last yeah. walk if that's okay um sure. uh, some of the things that um that really uh, we got a term. We got a term called "pricked my eye" um, on our podcast. Um, were about um, are animals aware of death and some of the some of the little um, stories that you had. Um, there's a couple about. I've written a few down here. So one about um, Pansy the chimp, the the old mm-hmm. the older chimp that died, um, and and how the the other chimpanzees around sort of gathered around her and how they reacted when she finally died. Um, that really broke my heart. Flint, the little um, the little chimpanzee oh, yes. whose mm-hmm. older mum died. Okay, that was another heartbreaking story. But definitely looking at looking at these these anecdotes or stories, it, 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 we can be on 
in no doubt that animals ex- have an awareness of death. Um, yes. I found that fascinating. There's my dog going straight away. <laughs> yes, 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 we do. The postman's here. <laughs> so yeah, um, I I just think that's absolutely absolutely fascinating. And another bit that like that really got me thinking was let me try and hey hello. Remember we're doing an interview. We talked about this. <laughs> Um, was the the elephants and the bones so coming along oh, and yes. in the bones but also what's something that i thought i'm not sure about the ethics of this that filmmakers will move the bones of elephants that they find into pathways so that they can film the behavior which i thought yeah absolutely bizarre hello you that isn't that i know can you imagine somebody going to a human graveyard and digging up the, yeah <laughs> the bones and moving them so that archaeologists could yeah absolutely yeah madness. watch the reaction yeah um yeah i i think that this entire area of i i think it is is going to become a whole sub sort of subfield of um animal behavior this you know study of death related behaviors in animals uh and i'd say every week or two or three there is a new study on some species that you wouldn't perhaps have expected to yeah. um, to engage in in mourning, grieving, um, you know, funereal behaviors. But I'd say the more we look, the more we're going to find. And it's one of those collection of questions about animals that you know we've just assumed that you know, X, Y, and Z animals don't do, but it's only because we haven't looked mm. and sort of, sort of mm. assumed that they didn't do it. So there we don't study it. Um, and well, death well, related did. behavior is one of these neglected topics. I think, or, or they, they do it differently. You know, grief mm. is different exactly. and it's expressed differently. So we can't relate to it as easily, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and I think even with humans, you know, if you look at somebody in the grocery store, you might not know that her husband had died three days ago just mm. from looking mm. at her face. Mm. And so, you know, we might not know from looking at an animal that he or she was was grieving um and i think about that i don't know if this will sound strange but you know we have a one of the i was talking about roadkill animals who get hit on the road and one of the most frequent casualties in this area is prairie dogs and they're very family oriented mm-hmm. um and you know i think and and actually mark beckhoff who you talked to last week described a story he had on one of his bike rides seen a a prairie dog kind of out in the middle of the road um, at the the corpse of another who had just been hit by a car and almost like this was a a family member that they were trying to rescue or revive or, Mm. you know, um, grieve over. And just, it makes me feel so sad. We think, oh, that's just a prairie dog, but no, that was somebody's, yeah um you know the partner neighbor community member friend um and and that um death is really we think of it as an individual act um but it's a social event yeah and um and that's a really one of the things that's most important about it aside from the fact that it's um the end of a life yeah it goes on to affect everyone 
Yeah. You know, father. And, and another, coming up to that point, another thing that fascinated me was the acceptance of animals feeling pain is not, is quite a new thing, you know? And even, and I think even in some, in some quarters still pushed back against. And I think maybe, yeah. I don't know if that's because of convenience, because maybe, you know, people still consuming animals or, you know, or just not wanting yeah. to think about it. But it really, yeah. um, it really, caught my attention when there, you, there's a, a passage in your book when the, you t- you're talking to someone who is uh, dealing with uh, veterinary nurses coming up through um, yeah and the, the prognosis didn't look good yeah I I, uh, I was shocked to learn that until oh, maybe a decade or two ago it was thought that anesthetics were not necessary for animals undergoing surgery. Mm. Um, and still, and one of the examples I use in the book is that um, our local shelter, when they do spay neuter surgery, um, which they do inexpensively um, and, and maybe a good service for the community, but they, they make pain medication optional <laughs> for people who are then taking their animals home as if Wow. You know, well, they don't really need it, but you know, if you want to splurge, yeah, <laughs> you know, but I can almost guarantee that if you had your gonads removed, you would prefer to have some <laughs> control. I mean, I, I just had a pain response right then. Nothing <laughs> <to> me, so. <laughs> so yeah, I might and, go and get a know, couple and, of paracetamol yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry to be so visceral. About that. Um, and I think it, I, one, um, you know, there's there's somebody who lives up the street from me here, and this it made me think of Odie. Um, they have an elderly dog who, you know, very clearly has some mobility issues. Um, is stiff, and I'm 99.9 percent sure this dog has arthritis, but the dog doesn't go to the vet. And you know, I asked, well do you think maybe you could have a vet talk to you about pain management? And they kind of just brushed me off. Oh, well, we give her an aspirin here and there. Like, I'm sure that she's in, in pain, but that, that kind of chronic pain that, that creeps up on you. Um, if you have an, an elderly animal and you might think they are just getting old and stiff, but stiffness is often arthritis <laughs> and mm. arthritis is painful. So take your dog to the vet. And um, there are so many things that they can offer now. I mean, every year, the the armamentarium of palliative options for animals gets better and better. Um, so even Bella, who's only 10, she's got a, a little arthritis in her paw. And we have her on two different meds that, that really help her to have more fun, chase her Frisbee. Um, with greater abandon. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, there's, um, uh, again, great bit in the book about how much is too much as well, which is also an interesting question. And, uh, and I was um, gobsmacked to find out that there's a there's a Japan nursing home for dogs. I mean, I'm guessing this is a few <laughs> years ago now, so maybe there's more, yeah. I don't know. But where some people pay, what, $37,000 a month, was it? Am I right in saying that, to send their dogs I, I don't remember exactly. It's been a long time since i wrote that but it was a lot of money yeah nursing home they have a dogs. they have a very different culture 
towards death in Japan, don't they? I mm, remember yes. um, because they're, they're very much about looking after their elders in mm-hmm. human society. And I watched um, one of these weird and wacky documentaries and they were having robot funerals as well for huh. some of their, um, their robots that had, you know, been retired and they'd actually went through the funeral process with them yeah, to thank huh. them for their life and oh, I like that <laughs> I liked it too because yeah, I thought actually nice. the, the parallels are if you've had a relationship with something even if it is an inanimate object I mean some people maybe would see our companion animals as that um yeah and you know we certainly um went in had a drink for Scoops, didn't we, when yeah. we said goodbye to Scoops? And why why wouldn't we do the same, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I think it goodbye. really, it helps people process their grief um, to have, to, to ceremonialize uh, the death of an animal. And it's, you know, I, unfortunately not widely um, condoned in the U.S. at least, um, and I hope it is different elsewhere, but that, you know, it's almost like if you're grieving too much and too openly over the death of an animal or having, taking your animal to the funeral home, and there are some funeral homes for animals that there's something weird about you, Mm. (laughs) like you have an unhealthy attachment to your animal and probably you don't have any human friends, and really that's, that's a crazy attitude in it it makes people, it just drives people's grieving um, underground and Mm -hmm. makes it more protracted. And, um, you know, they, they don't feel that they can talk to anybody about it. And um, so I, I think that that's changing. It's becoming more acceptable to, to openly grieve um, and ceremonialize companion animals. And, And hopefully that trend will continue. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned it earlier, but my when my first dog died, I rung up the place where I was working at the time and said, because I was inconsolable. It was my, my, the first dog that I'd had as an adult. I'd had dogs growing up. Yeah. Um, and uh, I rung up my work because I wasn't going into work. I was just, I would have been useless. I was yeah. like, I, I need a day off. And my boss was really, really horrible about it. I remember him using the terms like, you need to man up. You need to go get in oh, here and dear. all of this yeah. sort of stuff. I was like, no, well, that's not happening. So sorry. <laughs> you know, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's, um, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah. I'm sure that didn't make you feel any better about no, things. No, no, no. It, it, it definitely, I was saying and that. He, he had his foot run over the week after. Not by me, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, but, yeah. karma. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what, what I said. said. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking, yes, get in there. <laughs> there's some, um, there's some, but, but I mean, um, I, I got to tread carefully here because I've already said that I've got, that I've got a knit round to Nats afterwards with a bunch of flowers and a, and a big bottle of wine because I've made her cry about three times already. But um, there are some. Not you, it's the subject matter. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm just a very emotional person. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, uh, there's some some of the things that I wanted to bring up when I talked to you because the the uh, just the 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 lovely family moments that you've had with your dog and and actually specifically your daughter as well. Some of those moments in the yeah. book are so beautiful and obviously as you're reading the book because uh, you know you've got the journal of Odie as you're working your way through and. 
and we know from the beginning the inevitable end that, that's coming um but there are a couple of bits that i wanted to talk to you about and one of them was about i love i absolutely loved the the story that you told your daughter sage um about odie's hair um, oh yeah <laughs> could you maybe tell us about that because i thought that was such a was so lovely and i'm definitely stealing it if ever i have children oh, oh please do um <laughs> Yeah, so we used to to drive between Colorado and Nebraska to see my husband's family. Um, and it's about an eight-hour drive, which with a four-year-old or five-year-old or six-year-old is a very long drive. And one of the entertainments that I came up with for stage was to to plant Odie seeds. I told her that Odie's, he had, he was a, a you know, red um, sporting dog. He had little beautiful, fine red hairs that he shed all over the place. And so if you, if you stroked his back, you'd have a handful of hair. And I told her that the hair, each hair was a seed. And if she put them out the window, they would plant Odie's all over the Midwestern plains. So there are millions of little Odie's. I love that. Oh, so nice. Like dandelion seeds, yeah. just, just floating in the air. And so he lives on. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, and there's yeah. loads of passages, little bits like that in the book, especially in the in the journals, um, uh, that are really, really touching. Um, really, really touching. One of the one of the big ones for me was um, obviously that I I want to talk about this a bit later in the podcast, so I'm not I'm not going to um, allude to it too much for spoilers reasons. But um, <laughs> I, I'm go, I'm going to search this book out. The three stories you can read your dog. I'm, I need, I, need oh, yes. to, I need to find this book. Maybe you can tell me who the author is. And, um, I can look it up it. and find yeah, it. It's a beautiful would, book. Yeah. Be it's a children's good. book. Just, yeah. yeah that, which are often the most beautiful books ever written. I know. In um, my opinion. I found it really touching, especially the, 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 the fact that the, the story in this case was one about a dog being, being a wild dog for the day. And I thought, yeah. what an amazing <laughs> story to read to your dog. I thought, I could, yeah, I'm definitely going to be doing that. And I haven't even yeah. got any kids. I've got one. <laughs> I've got one a little bit like that. Oh, I wonder if it's to hand. Um, oh, hang on. I've got to show you. I'm sorry. I'm... Oh, I know the one you're talking about. And there's another, there's a beautiful book. And I, I mentioned it in the last walk. I can't remember. Somebody gave it to us as a gift after Odie passed. And it's, it's sort of like what, ha where dogs go in heaven yes. and with, pictures beautiful pictures yeah. of dogs sitting on clouds eating yes <laughs> eating yeah. biscuits do you know the book i'm talking yeah about? i know the um, one um, I, I don't know it personally but literally i the guys because i finished the book today i think you mentioned that right at the end and there's a there's yeah. a little passage out there about um what dogs do when they're in heaven that which i really like yeah well, which is really sweet what was that know, what was that book now you got there this this book is um by lauren child and it's called it's a kid's book again it's called who wants to be a poodle i don't and it's about <laughs> a, a, an aristocratic poodle that that's that's humans try and make her go and have a haircut and go to the bar and all sorts and she and she she rebels and she goes to the woods and she has a good time with her dog friends <laughs> that's great i love that i'm gonna I thought it was the same, same sort of sentiment so it's called who wants to be a poodle i don't <laughs> i love that yeah. yeah um and yeah i mean i'm coming down obviously to the inevitableness of of what happened to od and obviously what happened to me with scooby as well when 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 you finally got to 
what well, Odie's end specifically having all of that forethought and being able to put all of that stuff into place I mean it just yeah the part of like reading it through tears but the actual you know the way it happened and and how it's written in the book it was just beautiful um really really beautiful really sad obviously but really really beautiful yeah and I almost felt um I mean for for your listeners I I explain uh, we did eventually decide to have Odie's death hastened by a vet um, through euthanasia, and I described the process in perhaps painful, de- well, definitely painful detail. Um, but I think one of the things that was so hard for me is not knowing what it would look like. Mm. So I wanted to to show people what it looked like, um, both, you know, the the beautiful sort of peaceful nature of it, and also the the hard parts um the equipment and uh, yeah the equipment in yeah yeah, um the there's a certain in-person impersonality is that a word (laughs) um you know the the what often happens is the person who especially if you choose in-home euthanasia which i think is a beautiful peaceful way to do it um, much better for the the people and the and the animals um, as a setting as opposed to the vet's office. Um, but you'll typically get a veterinarian who you don't know or don't know well, and who doesn't know your animal well. So it's there's a, an element of of discomfort there, or you know, like a stranger <laughs> coming into your house to to kill your dog. There's something mm-hmm. very weird about that. Yeah. Um, but but lovely too, and they're um, they're some of the most compassionate people in the world. I think vets who do this work it's it's not an easy job. No, um, no, we talked but, about that before. About yeah, the how you know suicide rates and in, in vets and and yeah, I and having yeah. it written in black and white so I could read actually, you know that I hadn't really thought about it I'm, I'm much to be quite honest with you, Jessica, and to, to, to actually read how many of those decisions these people have to make and how many of those procedures they have to do each day. You know, of course, it makes absolutely perfect sense that yeah. that's going to take a massive toll. Yeah. And I think what I what I have found and I've, I've done a lot of close work with veterinarians who specialize in end of life care and, and those who do in-home euthanasia typically, although their work is hard and exhausting, um, they find it really fulfilling and enriching. Mm. And, you know, yes, they suffer compassion, fatigue, etc. But I think it's the veterinarians who are uh, the sort of general practitioners who get people coming in with healthy animals, who they just don't want anymore, Mm. or animals who might be old, but have a lot of good living to do. And, you know, people requesting euthanasia where it's really inappropriate and that puts the veterinarian in, in such a difficult position because, you know, they, I think that the reasoning in their mind is, well, I, I can provide a really peaceful end for this animal. If I say, no, this person's going to go down the street and they might get a vet who's, who's not as compassionate as I am. Um, and that I could see just one or two of those making me want to crawl in a hole and never come out again. Mm. and you write about similar stuff in run spot run as well where you you 
managed to stop being the kind of the sanctuary that took in all the disposed of guinea yeah. pigs yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. with all the weird and wonderful species that you ended yeah. up because because people get bored basically um, yeah and I think what happens frequently and this um to give some context for people listening you know when my daughter was young um I was very liberal with my um, approach to pet keeping. And she had just about every kind of animal you can imagine. Of course, we became known in the neighborhood as the animal people. So everybody who, you know, their child demanded a guinea pig and they gave in. And then, you know, three weeks later, they decided it was too much work, um, would come knocking on our door and help, oh, please, can you take our guinea pig? And how do you say no? Because, yeah. you know, um, one of the one, I think I tell this story in Run, Spot, Run, my daughter and I were at the Humane Society in the town where we lived, picking up some food because we had some foster puppies. Um, and some teenagers came in carrying this cage and it, it was, it looked like garbage. It was rusted and old and you, you look carefully, you see that there are actually guinea pigs in it, sort of hidden under this um, the stuffing and they had found it behind a dumpster and it was the summer so it was the probably going to be about 90 degrees that day oh my um, these goodness poor creatures would have um perished it was sweet of these kids to to take to the time to do this but those are the kinds of pet owners that i wish in 300 years wouldn't exist anymore yeah the people yeah. who who do this on a whim and don't really take responsibility and um well it's it's a bit of a worry that we might be in a situation similar to that with the massive increase in puppies being bred during the the pandemic um there seems to be quite a lot circulating at the moment about breeding practices because they've tried to meet demand basically oh, of people huh. people I don't know if, this, if it's the same where you are but certainly in the UK uh, there's been a lot of because people have been home and they think oh I've always right. wanted a dog and now finally I have the time to to have one and haven't thought long term about what happens when we all go back to work yeah um the kind of unscrupulous breeders have thought well we can cash in on this here we go yeah quick quick get some puppies bred and get them out there and they're sick and dying oh, and yeah unsocialized and it's that's scary no I I haven't heard that um I'll have to to look um look that up but one thing that's been quite pro um, prominent in the media here are stories about um fostering rates in shelters spiking. I mean, this was back when the pandemic was really just starting and people were losing their jobs and, mm. and having all this time at home or working from home. And, um, and it was seen as this really great thing, like all of the shelters are getting cleared out. Um, I, I suspect you're right, too, that there probably breeders are were having their wheels were turning and money signs flashing in front of their eyes. Mm. Um, and my prediction is that it's going to be, it's going to get very ugly for, for dogs um, mm. and cats when this, as this continues, um, you know, typically when the economy goes down, mm. um, animals wind up in shelters because people, people, 
don't typically think about the long-term financial implications of having an animal or maybe they do. And you can't predict that you're going to necessarily that you're going to lose mm-hmm. your job. Yeah. Um, thing, things happen or, you know, couples separate, whatever things happen. Um, but often the animals are the, the first to go. Mm-hmm. And, um, and all of these foster fostered animals, some may stay in the home. Many will go back. Um, and, you know, there'll be a lot of dogs who've gotten used to having their people home all the time who are going to be suffering from social isolation. And one of the things that I think has been interesting about this pandemic for people is that we have gotten a taste of our own medicine a little bit (laughs) Um, that, you know, we, we keep our dogs locked in the house all day when we go off and do fun stuff or go to work. Um, Now we're locked in the house all day. So we have, we have a sense of what it's like to be, socially isolated yeah um and bored and perhaps and (laughs) so um so maybe that'll give people um a little more empathy for their dogs when they when they do return to work or normal life you can really really hope can't you that something like that i mean i'm not wanting to be debbie downer here but at (laughs) at the beginning of um of the pandemic in the uk anyway um you, there, there was a there was a lockdown, and then there was a time when you're allowed out for an hour's exercise a day. So yeah. all of the cars disappeared off of the like yeah. the, the streets, and what was happening was loads of people were going out, and they were going out into into nature and and enjoying yeah. going for walks in country parks and things to take their daily exercise. And that moment, you know, surrounded by obviously the horrible deaths and all of the things that were that were happening around us, but there was also this moment of like or maybe this is a, like, you know, everyone's coming back to nature a little bit, learning to appreciate yeah. things. Yeah. And, and I had this, lo- I had this beautiful time where I'd taken my, my little Jack Russell Terrier out for a walk and the, our local woods right by my house, not a big woods, but there's loads of deer in there all the time. And normally there's no one in it. I remember yeah. I went, walked through the woods and there were loads of people in it and there was a family with a child and they were pointing and I was trying to see what they were pointing at. And there's a deer stood illuminated by the sunshine and I had this lovely uh. moment and I was like, oh, it's, <laughs> This is it. Everyone's gonna, you know, stop eating meat and like doing all this. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then gradually, as things progressed, I think you know we all went a little bit stir crazy. And then, as soon as we were allowed, you know, as soon as we were allowed out, it was you know four mile queues to get to McDonald's. As soon as it opened back yeah. up again, that was like the the priority for everyone. And then, and then it started dawning <laughs> on me that perhaps you know all of that hope was maybe a little bit misplaced at the beginning. And it, you just I, I don't hold know. on to that, Steve. Yeah, hold on to it. <laughs> I will hold on to it. And I'm sure I'm sure it happened for lots of people the other way around. But it's, it's so, so easy to just sink back into what it was like before. But I was so hopeful for, you know, coming out in, in a different way. Every, everyone, like, for example, talking environmentally, um, you yeah. know, there was an opportunity. And maybe now it's a missed opportunity. I don't know. I'm not that heavily into politics. But to, to change, you know, coming out to invest in greener ways. Of doing things to you know, there seemed like there was a real chance there at some point that I don't know whether it was taken or not I've got no idea hopefully fingers crossed but yeah yeah it, yeah I agree it, it does seem like there there really maybe still is I don't know how things are there here where we seem to be in into the second well I don't know if it's the first wave yeah. spiking or a second wave but it's getting ugly again and yeah. mm. So maybe we still have an opportunity to reset. Um, 
but it's been lovely to have people just not driving so much and yeah. um yeah although we've noticed around here usually we live on the edge of the national forest and usually it's totally deserted that we have the the yeah. trails to ourselves nobody knows about them and apparently they do because <laughs> all of a sudden they're crowded yeah there's, um, been a, there's been a fair amount of that in the uk as well beauty spots being completely yeah, not yeah. just not just beauty spots either because I, my office overlooks our road so i can pretend i'm doing work but really i'm just watching all of my neighbors walk past and um I I've seen so many dogs that I've never I've seen on that, my usual yes, walks. I've I just think, where, where are you? Like, do you I ever know, go walk I, normally? That's exactly what I've thought. Um, yeah, it's been it's been fun and interesting, and also maybe a little. Yeah, it does make you yeah. wonder why why don't I ever see these dogs? Um, do they yeah. not have much opportunity to get out and about? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, yeah. Want, I wanted to ask you just just straying off a little bit from what we we're talking about there yeah. um so what would you say uh, of, of the the odyssey the journey you went on with with Odie um so as a dog's getting older one thing so as yeah. they're going into that phase but also towards the end as well what would you say would be the the biggest things that you've learned from that experience to to consider um you know we, you talk about elder care in the book um, yeah and that that's something that yeah. particularly yeah caught my eye yeah, so I, I learned I learned a lot of things. Um, mm. A couple things come to mind right away. One is that aging really. I mean, it begins, of course, when we're born. But our dogs are elderly much earlier than I thought. And in fact, mm. I just saw a new scientific study today yes. that's kind of reassessing. Did you see that? Yeah, the age um, so of how actually, dog ages work. Yes. Yeah even older than we thought. So um, the, at least when I wrote the book, it was, you know, around seven-ish is when you'd start thinking of a dog as being older. Um, and what that means is in particular that it's really good if you can afford it to do um, at least once a year, full veterinary check with a blood panel and everything. Because if you if you catch chronic conditions early, you can manage them better. Mm -hmm. Just the same as with human aging. Um, and you can keep a dog a lot more comfortable. And I, I talked about arthritis before. The, that was one of the, the things that I learned with Odie is he probably was in a lot more pain than I realized. Um, and I just didn't know how to recognize it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just the stiffness or the slowness in getting up um, or, you know, I noticed Odie was a very tactile dog. He loved to be touching you. He was a leaner, you know, <laughs> um, he just wanted to be touched all the time. And as he got older, he, he didn't like to be touched so much. Um, and, you know, you could say, well, he just got cranky, but in fact, he was in, I think he was in pain and that's why he didn't like to be touched. And, you know, just giving, being empathetic toward that and not, I, mean, I think sometimes we like get our feelings hurt if our, if our dog doesn't want us to, to hug or touch, especially if that's what we're used to. Um, so not getting our feelings hurt, but actually, you know, being proactive about, okay, maybe I need to get some 
some pain medication or just touch in a different way, but, you know, find what feels good. Um, and, you know, when you get on further into the progression of a chronic disease or a collection of chronic diseases, I mean, Odie didn't really have any one thing. It was a bunch of things. Yeah. Um, you know, he had some cognitive dysfunction. He had some neurological problems where, you know, signals weren't getting from his brain to his back legs. So he was stumbling and, you know, his toenails were um, scraping on the sidewalk when he walked and um, he was having trouble with his bowels. Um, so just keeping track of and uh, with a even a written journal like I did with Odie was, was really helpful. So you can kind of track what's happening. And, you know, with, with chronic diseases, like, um, like Odie experience, there's often a lot of just up and down um, the trajectory. And you could say, well, it's a really bad day. Maybe we need to call the euthanasia vet, but the next day yeah. things are looking up mm -hmm. and you say, Oh, call and cancel that appointment. Um, if you write it down and just really watch what's happening, I think it's it's easier to kind of to see when when the trajectory is really steeply heading down. Um, I think one of the most difficult things is trying to determine, you know, if and when you should intervene mm. and and hasten um, an animal's death and. You know, I think that that is the question that got me going on the book in the first place is that it seems wrong in some ways to take a life ever. Yeah. Um, and and is, that, is that ever an ethical choice? Um, and obviously, you know, if you read the book, you find out, you know, I, I did decide that it was in, in Odie's best interest to, to do that. He just seemed miserable. Mm. Um, and like he was anxious all the time because he was falling and he couldn't get outside to use the bathroom. And, um, this is our sort of collection of, um, daily trials just built up over time. And it's, I guess that's another thing that I would say to people is, you know, you, you, try really hard to say, well, I, I got to pick the right time. I don't want to be, do it too early. I don't want to do it too late, but it's really impossible. <laughs> you do the best you can. Yeah. You know, there's, there isn't a target that you need to hit. You just, you do the best you can. Um, and with what, you know, and you learn as much as you can, um, and arm yourself with that. And, and speak to your animal in in whatever ways you can i love that uh, and, and yeah. there's, a, there's a few things in the book that um i think can aid obviously you like you say it's, it's a very difficult thing to know but I, the we you had a chat about it before the porpoise scale um yes that's that's nice that's quite a, a a good way of charting and and you know not wanting to make it sound like you know it's all lists and no emotion, but, yeah. but it's a good way of, of, of charting it and, and, and making some decisions and, and seeing something tangible in front of you that you can say, right, well, yeah, here's some numbers now that I've got here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even just, and there are a lot, if you, if, 
you Google quality of life assessment mm. for animals. Um, there are a number of really helpful scales and tools. And there are some, you know, general things that you can look for. Um, mobility is a big one. Mm. Are they able to move around? Um, pain, how much, how much pain are they in? Um, are they eating and drinking? You know, that, that's a hard one because, um, you know, often people say, well, he stopped eating, therefore it's time to euthanize. And I think that's a little too simplistic mm. because, um, you know, one have of a the, toothache. <laughs> yeah. And the natural process of dying, you know, if you've have experienced, um, you know, the hospice journey with a human person, um, loss of appetite is just a natural part of the progression mm -hmm. and people just eat less and less as they get closer to death and animals do too. Mm -hmm. So eating less, even stopping eating is okay. Um, in that, that's a qualified, okay. It, it isn't necessarily time to call the euthanasia vet. Um, something like, um, losing control of bowels. That's a hard one because I think that in a way puts more burden on the human caregiver than it does on the animal. You know, how much tolerance do you have for cleaning up diarrhea every morning? Yeah. Um, and that's where I think these assessments get tricky because, you know, the, uh, the quality of life of the caregiver gets, that's important too. Um, and, you know, we have limitations of, time, patience, energy, family commitments. I mean, all sorts of things that, that come into the equation of, you know, how much, what kind of care is it possible for you to give? Um, but separating that, I mean, those are legitimate, mm -hmm. um, but separating that from um, what is going on for the animal. Um, those are, are really two distinct things, interconnected, but distinct. Mm -hmm. I think if you've naturally kind of prepped for your friend getting older, you've made some of these natural adaptations anyway, and it kind yes. of, it helps it be a more natural progression into older age, because if you're aware of what to expect, which is yeah. where, you know, your writing is, is fantastic because it speaks about some of these subjects that maybe we don't um then you know what's normal for that life stage right. and, and what isn't and it, it can be as simple as silly little things like um my collie now he as soon as he's finished eating he doesn't get a lot of notice about the fact that he needs a wee uh-huh so <laughs> and and you know if if I hadn't noticed that and I wasn't managing him in his later stages of life, then that would be a potential puddle on the floor for me to tidy up, which could then lead to me not feeling as, you know, right. linked to him. Exactly. Whereas because I know that's likely to happen, he's been he eats now by the back door with the back door open. So he has oh, the choice great. to go straight yeah. up for a pee. I don't right. have to worry that I'm then distracted and mm -hmm. forget and he stresses himself out because he's got to go for a pee. So I think there's lots we can do in the run-up as well, isn't there, yes. about preparing to live with an aging dog? Yeah, it's, it's a process of adaptation, exactly. And um, there are so many brilliant products now on the market for elderly animals. You know, there are slings that you can use to help 
you know, if you have a larger dog, especially who has some um, mobility challenges, you can help them walk, mm-hmm. um, help them, you know, be independent and go outside to go to the bathroom. Um, you can use diapers. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, one of the things that Odie had trouble with, um, we had wood floors and he, as he lost his um, sense of balance, he he felt uncomfortable and slippery on the floor. So we had yoga mats everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked weird, but it was much <laughs> better for Odie. Um, yeah. You know, ramps for getting into the car, um, all sorts of things and creative things that people come up with. Mm-hmm. So it really touched uh, touched my heartstrings about you, you talk a little bit about this in the book, actually. Um, um, when so you're talking about the leaky pets, I think you described them as yeah. Um, yeah. leaky pets. That yeah. might be that might be a, t- a time in their life when you you would exclude them from places where they they're so used to being or need to be at that time in their life. Like like you use the example of dogs that maybe sleep in the bed with you, and yeah, you know, it may, it may, it may yeah. almost perfect sense that oh now they're a bit incontinent, they need to sleep somewhere yeah. else. But then they're at the end of their life at the end of their journey and then you know excluding them from those moments that they probably really enjoy is not fantastic is it and again it's another thing to think about yeah and then again you can there are adaptations you can get those i think they're called chucks um that are used for humans who are incontinent Mm -hmm. or you know put a plastic we with maya are maya is a character in the book Um, maya passed away two summers ago, but as, as she got older, and I think this is quite common for female dogs. They, they start to, to be leaky mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, with her, some hormones helped. Um, okay. but for a time she was, you know, I'd wake up in the bed with her right next to me and I would be mysteriously very wet. Um, <laughs> and so there were lots of sheet changings, um, but we put the plastic, put plastic things down and she was able to to still sleep next to me which she had done for her whole life and yeah. mm. I couldn't imagine banishing her to the basement or something mm. um, you yeah. just it's amazing I, what you'll put up with oh com- I'm with you completely yeah. Love, yeah yeah I will bend over backwards and I'm not yeah. saying I'm you know perfect about it I still go oh god I've got to clean the sheets again but <laughs> yeah, you know, know. it's it, exhausting it, yeah. yeah and um and I also think that that's that's a really important point because we we have this kind of idealistic view of passing away naturally I think um and that you know they slip away in their sleep maybe that's true for some dogs but for some it could actually be quite a stressful night that if you're not a light sleeper like me or your dogs aren't close to you and you come down in the morning it 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 might not have been the peaceful experience that we all think it could have actually been quite yeah. traumatic and um so i i yeah i every little sneeze gets attended to at the moment and you know um having them there in your room is just a lot easier way yeah. to to make sure that if anything does happen you're there yeah yeah um i with um with maya i wound up sleeping on the couch for the last couple months of her life because she couldn't get up the stairs but you just you do you just make adaptations in fact I slept on the floor for the last (laughs) couple of weeks because she couldn't get on the couch even and didn't want to be on the couch and when she tried to jump down it was kind of ugly yeah Yeah. so 
And it's really no different to catching a couple of hours of sleep in an uncomfortable hospital chair next to your dying relative. I mean, it's right. it's what we would want to do to be there for them. Yeah. But it is um, sort of like, I mean, having a puppy again in the way that you just did. So it becomes a, a more constant caring situation um, and constantly changing. So like, it's like having children um, yeah. and you love them. So you do it yeah with an open heart and and yeah you have definitely many moments and i i think those are come probably come out in the the journal i wrote about Odie and maybe part of the reason i wrote it is it is hard work mm -hmm. and frustrating and can drive you bananas and you you lose sleep um you know and it affects other parts of your life but it's I think we we owe it to them. They give us they give us their entire life. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. I like I oh. the, the the journal aspect of the book. Uh, you just said it yourself. Uh, it opens up the idea of how it will affect the human relationships in the family. You know, if you've got kids, how it affects them, the things you need to consider, and that such a nice way of doing an, uh, uh, of being able to sort of see it. You know, for for you, you were living it as you were writing it. But for someone who's reading that book who maybe hasn't got a dog who's who's old, it would really, I think, go a long way to preparing your mindset for that sort of thing. It's why well, I'm not yeah. I'm not even joking when I'm saying I'm gonna sing the praises of this book forevermore. Um, <laughs> one thing I did well, want to ask you, obviously, I'm aware we're yeah. um, we're using up lots of your time, but one thing I did have you did you ever petition yourself, or has anyone ever petitioned on your behalf to have your sixth freedom? added to the five freedoms um because i think it's brilliant <laughs> um yeah well so then the sixth freedom um is the freedom to yeah. have a good death to die a good death um, meaning a death surrounded by your loved ones and in it, it peaceful and not in pain um there is a hospice veterinarian who I actually write about in the book, Kathy Cooney. Yes. Um, she is the, the one who really, uh, she's, she's amazing. Um, she has added the sixth freedom to her euthanasia training program for veterinarians. Wow. So that's a first, that's a step yeah, in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm still working on, you know, <laughs> yeah. on the government. <laughs> it's got, because oh, it's got so many, a wider implications that discussion hasn't it about an animals that are not in our homes for example right. yes the lives that they have and the deaths that they have and yeah. the assumptions that we make about um whether analgesia is a uh, um, a vital part of processes and all sorts it's it's a massive discussion isn't it but a it really is. important one so yeah. that sounds like an amazing step in the right direction yeah I need to keep working on that don't I <laughs> <laughs> we can all help so at the end at the end of um run spot run you leave us with a kind of call to action which I actually read out I I hope I haven't like committed the cardinal sin of, of giving away the end of a book before people have read it but um <laughs> i just found it a real a really inspiring um call to action basically and to get people thinking about it um and i wanted to 
just share something it's a bit silly but maybe it's nice to end on a slightly less somber note um <laughs> but when I was reading um the book I I was reminded of this scene from a soap called Neighbours have you ever heard of it it's an Australian soap um I think I've heard of it but I don't think I've seen it. okay so it was really big when when we were kids and um, there was a Labrador in Neighbours called Bouncer. And um, basically what had happened is that over, this has stuck with me, it was probably only a 10 minute segment of the show, but it stuck with me for my whole life. And what had happened was they, they all lived in this cul-de-sac and they they realized that Bouncer was actually sneaking out and going to live with all the other families throughout <laughs> different portions of the day um, and so they they all felt that they owned Bouncer and that he was their favorite um, and and it culminated in them all having to decide custody for Bouncer and what they did is everyone in the street stood in a circle and they put Bouncer in the middle and Bouncer to choose where he lived. That's great. And I thought that was quite a nice little anecdote of some of the things that you discuss in the book about you know where would our where would our dogs be if they got to choose. Yeah, and you have to say who Bouncer chose. I can't oh, probably remember. nobody. I don't, oh, yeah, right. probably nobody. Oh no, probably, probably uh, I don't know. A squirrel ran past and he ran yeah, after the squirrel. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to, anything to do with any of you. You're crazy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know what probably or, happened? He went to the person that didn't want him. <laughs> that is so probably giving, exactly They were giving off the best right. body language by like turning yeah. away from him. Yeah. And, you know, that's now that's what cats do. Yeah. yeah, they go straight to the person in the room who does not like cats and doesn't yeah. want a cat on their lap. That's so true because my husband's allergic to cats, so he's always shunning the cat, and the cat's like, "Hi, hello, <laughs> come on, talk to me." Talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one very final thing, Jessica, and we'll let you get yes. on with your day um when we spoke to mark um uh he he introduced a new term into our language um <laughs> called uh lagomorphing oh god <laughs> <laughs> which he he probably attributed to me in particular yeah right? he did. yes <laughs> your, name, your name came up i mean <laughs> that's great yeah <laughs> i i completely relate to it because i i'm trying to write my phd at the moment and i oh, just great. i find it all so interesting that i end up doing exactly that lagomorphing and i uh, i'm using it as an excuse to put off writing basically um so oh, that's I, what i that's exactly how i use it <laughs> yeah. um and it's the actually the greatest pleasure in writing a book is the process of lagomorph lagomorphing which for those <laughs> people who don't know what that is it is another way of saying rabbit holing mm -hmm. or going down into some philosophical <laughs> hole and yeah. having a hard time digging yourself out <laughs> yeah the worst one is when you're I find I'm on um looking for a journal so then I'm online on there and then I look at their references and then I click on that and then I go on to that and before you know it you're reading about something completely different and yeah. I haven't written any words so. that sounds so familiar well welcome to the world of lagging yeah. maybe but we yeah, should start a network and there'll be I a little badge <laughs> well, but being Lagomorph club being the <laughs> yeah. uh, being the non-academic on here that I do the same thing but with YouTube videos <laughs> yeah. oh, see, there you go. <laughs> Easily done. Easily done. Yeah, so that's that's part of my vocabulary now. That's that's sticking. So uh 
I hope, I hope yeah. we're, allowed, we're allowed to use it. I absolutely. Hope we, okay. I absolutely. I, I'm honored. <laughs> well, thank so I have you. to know what, how did Mark use that in a, in a sentence? Uh, I think he were, we were talking yeah. about something and he started lagomorphing yes. and then he, he then explained what he meant by that. And so, yeah, <laughs> he was very, he was very great. keen that we mention it to you. He said yeah, <laughs> that, that's so cute. <laughs> oh, great. Well, thank you so. so much for your time. It's been brilliant. well, you're welcome. This has been fun. I know these are heavy topics, yeah. all of them, but um, yeah, good to talk about. And yeah, important. so thank you for, yeah, yeah really important. No, thank you thanks. for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And next time we'll talk about um, a slightly lighter topic of when humans have gone extinct. And <laughs> I know, maybe wait till the pandemic's over. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe. <laughs> if we're still, if we're still here, if we're still here, yeah, yeah. from our bunkers, we can discuss it's, it. Oh God! Going <laughs> <laughs> from dark to darker. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so well, much. Yeah. I'm going to go You're, and um, Google the neighbors clip with Bouncer so I can try and send oh, it to you. <laughs> yeah, do send it to me. And I'll try if I can find the name of the book about stories to read to your dog. That would be lovely. That would be yeah. lovely. I'll send that to you. So. Thank you very much. Well, it was nice talking to you guys. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. Have, yeah, have take, a great day. Take care of yourselves. Take bye care. Bye. Bye. Oh, look, and just as if, by, as if by magic, the beer fairy appears. As if by magic, I have a beer. I need it after that. That was that was deep. That was deep. Um, uh, really good. Really. What a lovely, 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 lovely lady. I'm so grateful we got to speak to Jessica. Really, really grateful. Um, and again, I'd say again, go out and buy them. Both books. Go out and buy them. Um, yeah. Sorry, even, bank balances out there. Even if with the last walk... Um, even if you buy it and just stick it on your shelf and it, and it can be a little book that you just walk past and think one day I'm going to read that one day when I think that would be quite a good thing to do. Um, try, and I'm not like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, by any means a, a, someone who's not in touch with their emotions or anything like that. I, so it's not, you know, it wasn't easy for me to read, really wasn't, but it definitely helped. And um you know brought brought up a lot of emotions and things but yeah there's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that we can all no. you know get a bit of that sometimes eh? Eh? yeah 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 and and you know they are important subjects that we shouldn't shy away from when we're feeling brave enough not to do so no and all we could all learn something from jessica and asking the bigger questions yes 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 so fantastic so yeah um so uh we're in mystery zone at the moment for who's going to be on our, on our next episode we're not 100% yeah. sure yet we've put enough we're going fishing out. aren't we we're going, we're going fishing, fishing and we're going all for fishing it's a very uh, <laughs> very selective skill um uh anyone's got any suggestions that would be great i did actually notice while we were recording live someone suggested a book about someone who has studied or done a study on dogs listening to music or classical music or something i have to have another look at the thing but that sounded quite Fab. intriguing so yeah yeah thank you and also while i'm while we're here because mm -hmm. this is very relevant to the topics we've been talking about um my friend carrie westgarth has just launched a new study she works at the university of liverpool and uh she's launched a new study looking at um how we live with senior pets um and so it's it's citizen science so they're looking at 
for people to send in pictures that um, that kind of encapsulate living with an older dog. Wow. Um, so I'll put a little link to the study if that's all right once yeah. this goes live, of course. and um, then people can join in if they if they so wish. Yeah, no, no, that well, that timing couldn't be any better, could it? I know. There you Amazing. go. It's like the world. It's like all the stars are. Aligning. it's all aligned it's, it's all, all aligned. aligned so well um so then there's nothing left to do i'm going to do an in praise of dogs section but i'm doing it when that's not in <laughs> when that's yep. had a chance to get out of the way so um because uh you know otherwise you won't be able to hear because it'll just be big <laughs> <laughs> i got some i got a few little tear jerkers um but yeah uh but other than that we will bid you farewell, everybody. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, we'll see you for our next episode. Thank you so much for everyone who's Thanks uh, for listening. downloading, listening, sharing, yep. um, review us. Um, yeah, write something. Um, if you want a question to be read out on the podcast, you can send it to us at any point. I normally stick a little question thread up on the Facebook page uh, every time we're going to go up and record. Um, feedback questions anything you want why not pictures of your dogs yeah come on send us some pictures of your dogs yeah we could do a gallery you know it's not really an audio podcasting that was it we could just describe them that one's cute this one's cute that one's cute no don't know if that'd work but send us pictures of your dogs anyway i want to see them <laughs> um yeah so um you take care Nat. don't get yourself injured yeah oh i won't i've done i've done well so all bets are off because uh, i didn't actually injure myself this week it's a crime. sorry to let you all down it's a crying shame I was, I, was in for some, <laughs> I was in for some big bucks i think but anyway. well i am getting the chainsaw out tomorrow so who knows oh in that case then it's been really it's been really nice being your friend it's been <laughs> oh, it's, good it's been a journey um yeah yeah <laughs> good luck good luck good luck jay good luck dogs good luck everyone yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right then so I, i'm gonna say goodbye to you nat but then i'm gonna hang around okay. and um and i will record independently right. yes bye everybody Bye-bye. bye hi i'm back hey um yeah so um as nat wanders off into the sunset uh bless her um <laughs> i uh I did want to do an in praise of dog section today because um, the idea was I wasn't going to do a readout from a book in praise of dogs. I was going to read out something that my um, my wife and my best friend, Corin Goodall, um, wrote when our boy Scooby died. Um, so it's kind of an in praise of Scooby. Um, I do, obviously, we realise that these topics are quite difficult to talk about um, uh but I do think it is important that we talk about them. There's not a lot out there. I mean, obviously, The Last Walk um, is a fantastic resource and, 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 and a great book to read. Um, uh, but in terms of other things, I don't think, you know, uh, I mean, I'm, I might be wrong, um, obviously. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I don't think there's many resources out there for for dealing with stuff. I think, you know, especially in Britain, we kind of got this stiff upper lip mentality. Um which isn't always good, is it? Let's be honest. So here we go. So this is um, in praise of Scooby. We'll call this section. I think today he was just uh, before I start. He was an absolutely beautiful boy. He had um, he was a Dalmatian cross border collie, uh, and he had this. Uh, he had a, a secret Scooby S. I remember when I picked him up from the family that were fostering him. 
um, the little girl that he was staying with said he's called Scooby because of his secret Scooby S. And I was like, what, what, what do you mean? And she, she went over and she pointed and on the side of his face, like some of the spots that were on the side of his face made this little S. And once one of those things that once you see it, you can't unsee it. So we always used to talk about the secret Scooby S, but he was absolutely fantastic. Um, I'll try and post some pictures up on the Facebook page so you can maybe see the secret Scooby S and just see what a wonderful boy he was because he was our best friend. So here we go. <clears throat> At the end of this, by the way, um, I think the the song Grow by Grant Sharkey is really apt, isn't it? I think we we all... I think we all grow a little bit by knowing our animals and, and sharing our lives with our pets. Uh, so possibly couldn't be any more apt. So I'm going to read this out and then uh, you'll hear Grant and that'll be the end. So bye-bye, everybody. Here we go. <clears throat> I wasn't ready to say goodbye. It wasn't on my radar. Stole another plodding days when we sit and watch, sharing moments of silence, skipping the walk altogether and heading straight for the pub or staying in for a cuddle on the sofa. I always imagined giving you my perfect last day, having a chance to say all my goodbyes before you left peacefully. I'm not sure it's any less painful that way, but I think it would have been so much better for you that way. It was an absolute privilege, big one. I'll take comfort in knowing you're no longer in any pain. For now, I will let my sadness override until one day the memories become sweet again. To some, you'll be remembered as a really good dog. But to me, you were so, so much more. Atoms collide, ourselves divide, just like they Spark a life, we multiply this ride, has just begun. And here at the end of a line that stretches back through all time, time. To simply survive, survive, you can't keep it down, you know, it grows. And where 
It's our duty to persist Resist and fight and defend till the end Another's right to all this This bliss A wish A kiss You can't keep me down, you know And I can't keep you down, I know And it won't be kept down